listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Mike Green. Holy shit, it's the Cannabis Agenda. And we're back. We're back. I feel lucky to be here, dude. Yeah, really. It's been a, I don't know what's going on, man. It's been a rough one for me the last couple of weeks. Getting started, classes and stuff is a pain in the neck. What's You're up back in your fall neck? now? You're I'm back. Fall yep, yep, fall mode. But, you know, I said I'm going to lighten the load because I'm involved in a lot of leadership positions and stuff at, our, at my university. And it was just like, it wasn't overwhelming, but it's right to the edge, man. A full plate all the time. It's just, it's just killing me. So I said, I'm going to lessen the load this week. And uh, lo and behold, I'm doing every single thing I was doing last semester. I meant, you know, this semester. I was doing, I'm doing everything I was doing last semester. And I added three new things, including mentoring a student and like a couple other big <laughs> responsibilities. So I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm a little, you know, what's up in your neck of the woods? I'm sure it's. Uh, well, at least you're thinking in my neck of the woods. I've been yeah. having trouble thinking, man. Just thinking straight's been a major oh. pain in the ass, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, back pain definitely does that, man. That's a brain that's, wiper. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. I can't imagine what you go through, but yeah. I had a incident, dude. I All I did was I got up out of bed, albeit I had a rough conversation before I got out of bed on the phone with my old lady. And I got up out of bed, and I was standing completely straight, and I bent fully at the waist to grab my shoes, and my back just slipped, man. And um. Mm. That's nasty. Did you check it out? Do you have a disc situation or something? So the first day for like, really for like 48 hours, I could barely move. If I like moved my toe wrong, <laughs> I, um, I would have my back would spasm oh, and it would spasm and it would like clinch. Uh, well, uh, immediately it was swollen to a point where it was always clenching on some sort of nerve. I'm kind of thinking it's the sciatic. Um, mm. But um, when it would spasm bad, like when I'd move wrong, mm -hmm. it would it would spasm up for like 10, 15 minutes. And I mean excruciating pain, dude, like uh -oh. screaming my head off type pain. If mm. I was to go to the doctor that day, I was considering calling an ambulance and they would have had to have put one of those boards underneath me and like strapped me down to it and pumped me full of morphine before I could have even moved. So I waited it out for like 48 hours and like peed in jars, dude, and like had people helping me out. And finally, like about 48 hours into it, someone brought me a walker, like a granny walker, dude. Like I'm 30, not 90. You know what I'm <laughs> oh, saying? And I went and grump, grumped my way around the hospital on like the third day, and I was just a grumpy son of a bitch, dude. And I went in there, and they gave me stronger meds and muscle relaxers, and they gave me a shot. And, Farmies. and told me Totally, man. And, and, uh. and so, I, yeah, it's been 48. I've been off of them for 48 hours now. I still feel weird. And, um, you know, they told me they think that it's just a severe spasm and that on an initial 
you know, injury to the back, they want to wait and see a few weeks. It heals good before they start like throwing you into an MRI and all that stuff, because those are expensive procedures. Um, and you know, for me, it would have, it would have basically filled my entire deductible, um, because I haven't, you know, I haven't needed anything recently. So I kind of have a cheaper plan, but, um, I'm going to change that in the future just in case something's wrong with my back permanently. But uh, I feel about 60% as far as uh, strength goes well, today. Well, we missed you um, last week. Dude. And we're glad you're I was back tr- and doing okay. I was trying to do the show, man. I was trying I to keep running errands and stuff. I had the mic set up and everything. And I mean like 30 minutes before we were going to do the show, I went to the bathroom to try and sit down on the toilet. And it Take just went out so bad dude in the process of trying to sit down and i was locked up that was that was where it went really really south and um so i was gonna try and try and do it all the way up until you know the last half hour before the show but uh uh-uh. that's cool well we're here now and we're glad to have you back for sure yeah um, I'm, I'm glad to be back i'm glad that i'm walking and stuff again got so, some stuff good. to talk about here today i think one of the biggest things um should we talk about Colorado at all? Dude, I think, okay. So I know a little bit about Colorado. I've talked to some people right. about Colorado. We've read a lot of stories. We've heard a lot of clips. Um, but I really feel like the best way to do Colorado is for us to find some good people from Colorado mm-hmm. to come on the show, I talk agree. about what they know about Colorado. And most importantly, I think I need to go to Colorado. Sick. I think I'm going to go there. Yeah, yeah. that's a oh, great trip. idea. Can we yeah, do that? Road trip. Yeah. <laughs> road trip. I'm, right. I'm there. Well, we'll, yeah, wait. well, I'm we'll there. do some Colorado news a little bit and then couple that the, down the road here soon, huh? Pretty soon. Yeah, right? the big the big Colorado show will come. Um, awesome. Just so our listeners know already, we are going to start bringing a lot more personalities on the show. We've been talking about it for a while. Um, and, uh, we're going to, you know, try and make it more of, uh, get, get a lot more interviews and a lot more participation from activists and, and, uh, community and organizational leaders and stuff and, uh, start moving in that direction. And, and I feel like when we do Colorado, we need to be very heavy with, uh, the opinions and feelings of other people because we don't live in Colorado. No. So, no. so when we talk about, Colorado, it's from, you know, a perspective of di- that has a lot of distance and it's mm-hmm. not on the ground. And, and, and to, to fully explain the depth of Colorado, we need to understand what it's like on the ground. We need to understand what it's like for activists in Colorado and voters in Colorado and patients and collective owners. And, you know, I mean, we, we need a real firsthand account. So yeah. I don't want to just half-ass the, the, the Colorado so you're first personing, or is that a, even a term? <laughs> you're going to hit it from first person on the ground uh, in Colorado. Yeah, well, I'm going to be That's there, sweet. and I want to meet people, and I want to see their smiles totally. and, and, and look in their eyes and get to know some people and hopefully um, meet some really nice people that I trust. And I like we'll that get idea there. a lot. Yeah, you know, because yeah, I think one that's of the, the best, best way to of start. Organic. <laughs> right, organic and everyone life. needs – Everyone needs to keep that in mind. This is an organic show. That's our motto. Hey, it's organic. We're still growing. We're still learning. Uh, today, my, the, the sound of my mic might be a little off, but because uh, I'm using my old boom set, I have managed to lose a cord 
in the chaos that has been my life as of recently. But uh, we'll get my sound back. You guys are together today, yeah. so everyone knows. Yeah, he's uh, uh, trapped in the confines and... of Illinois. Yeah, looking forward to getting out of here real soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I refer to oh. it as Illinois. You speak the truth, huh, man? <laughs> You're not even going to hold back, are you? No, no, no. Yeah. I left this place long ago, and I didn't look back. Hey, dude, how was Alpine Valley? Oh, it was sick, dude. Deer Creek was awesome, too. I had such a great four days. I'm sure some of our listeners were there. Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. That's fish. And oh, you Creek. did you did Deer Creek and Alpine Valley. Shit, yeah, I did. Whoa. <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't know that. So you got four straight nights. Yeah, four straight nights, man. It was it was freaking hot in Deer Creek. The first day it was unbelievable. The second day it was a little overcast. So it was a little respite there, but hot, 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 hot. Mm-hmm. Shows were yeah, hot too. Great music. Great. Lots of hot women, too, hot I'm sure, Hot women, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was both fish. It was an awesome Man. weekend. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I did the Greek right before I threw out my back. So I did. Th- I saw fish for three straight nights at the Greek in Berkeley, and that was super awesome. I, I so hope they can play there again. Um, it was a blast. Dude. Yeah. I, I'm glad you, wish glad I you had fun, made man. Shows. Yeah, it was good. I was, I was, uh, I was, that was killer. I, in my opinion, that their best days may still be ahead of them. So really for everyone, I think so. I think they're on, I think they're going to have a few years of really good music right now, but uh, you know, I mean, that might just be me feeling optimistic because I saw them play really well. well I, I feel night. optimistic for sure. They, they sounded great. They, they sounded more on than uh, many of the times I've seen them in the past decade. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of sloppy shows over the past decade, so um, it was good to see it real tight. They all looked healthy. They had good set lists. They jammed out everything. Um, yeah, Trey's geeking out on his new guitar, which is fun. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's a nice looking guitar too. It's got all that uh, the the uh, the the wood grain finish. It's real nice looking. Yeah, it was sweet. I was I was into it, and I and I found the spot to party at the Greek in the Greek. I found like the perfect place to to make like good dancing spot and find a view. So the next time something fun goes on at the Greek, we're going to have to get down, yeah, get down. Show yeah. me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, hey people, you can always uh, email us info at cannabis We'd love to hear from you on anything, anything we're talking about. If you agree, disagree, have any ideas, have any questions, please send the emails. We uh, love to hear from you. We spend a lot of time, we will be spending a lot of time and already have started to kind of uh, um, replying to the emails on the show. Um, also, we're getting more phone calls. We're finally starting to get some phone calls now. The number is 707-654-CANN, C-A-N-N. Um, and please blow up our Twitter and Facebook accounts. We, uh, we, we want your support and we want those sites to grow. Um, and as, if you're not already... Um, What's is it a subscriber on iTunes? Is that the correct terminology for, for yeah, iTunes? I guess yeah, so. I think so. You, if you're not a subscriber on iTunes, uh, get on there, check it out. You can subscribe to us, and then it'll automatically download the shows whenever they're available. So um, could make it easier for you guys. Um, and uh, that's that's how you can connect with us. And please hit us on all those, you know, or whichever form of communication you feel most comfortable with, hit us up on it. We'd love to hear from you. Um, 
What's up for with sure. the Jay Self Hotner contest? What's oh going yeah, on? so you weren't you weren't here last week. Um, no, but we uh, we we got Jay on the line. Uh, Jay, for for our listeners who don't know, Jay Selthoffner is a um, he's a candidate running for the Washington, uh, sorry, Wisconsin State Assembly. District 41. Um, District 41. And he's running on a, a cannabis platform. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, he came on the show last week, and um, we uh, were trying to do, I, I guess, a donation drive. Um, he's, he's trying to get don- uh, donations of $4.20 or more. Um, he's trying to get donations of that amount for 10,000 people so he can raise $42,000 uh, to fund his campaign. So uh, we were having a contest. The first 10 people who go to his website, um, you can follow the link at CannabisAgenda.com um, and donate $4.20. Uh, we will send a copy of Reefer Madness to you. Mm-hmm. On Do DVD. It. Oh, on DVD Do or it. VHS if you really like. Do we really have those? We, yeah, we have Reefer Madness <laughs> on VHS. Awesome. <laughs> can you even I don't have a VHS player anymore. I think it's been you a long go, time. You got to go to like garage sales to get them. Oh, nice! You'd know about that. Garage sales? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a garage sale. It's one of my favorite pastimes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, after hearing all those, who is that uh, fantastic nature photographer and the that guy just bought those slides? Well, not just bought them. He bought them a long time ago, but he just got them. What do you call that? Cest the value of it mm-hmm. and they that's said they were yeah. worth millions of dollars like ansel adams is that yeah you? ansel adams huh. they're original like uh negatives i think wow slides like negative slides cool oh dude pot pictures hey people send us your pictures hey send hold on let's, let, let's go back since we totally went on a mad diversion from the jay selhovner oh, thing there <laughs> let's finish it's that organic. up real quick it is yeah. organic i didn't even realize it until you said it <laughs> we went like five places away from the jay selhovner contest <laughs> anyway um yeah we're uh if if you got four dollars and 20 cents that you can uh you can donate to Jay. It'd be much appreciated, and um, uh, we'll get you a copy of Reefer Madness. So uh, follow the link at CannabisAgenda.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jamie Cass is for Jay. Yep. $4.20, but uh, if you're a big baller, $42. And if you're even bigger baller, $420 would be pretty sweet. And the true pimp, they can live uh-huh. $4.2 million. Yeah, well, I mean, if anyone, if any real pimps are listening, they can just go ahead and give him the whole $42,000, which he thinks he needs to Absolutely. run the campaign. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't know who's listening. <laughs> so, if there are any ballers um, out there, we could use a new soundboard, too. Oh, uh, we need a new soundboard. Uh, we also I, need, I we need our PayPal hooked up here soon. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. new soundboard. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Moving on. Yeah, but like I was saying, please send your pot pictures to us. I would love to to have some nice nice photos from our listeners to blow up and put on my wall. Maybe so, you put them on the website too, or on the website. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. We could even maybe do a contest at some point. So let's see if anyone will will start start sending in some pictures. Um, question to let. What's our question, the listeners? Yeah, we got some more emails, uh, as usual. We always tell people that we will uh, pick out some emails. We do appreciate your correspondence and encourage you to correspond with us in any of the various ways we have set up. And uh, we're always pretty stoked to get some uh, interesting commentary from our listeners. This time, 
So yeah, we're taking it. Um, we we have the question that we asked our listeners from last week. Do you have that? What was it, Jamie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The contest question. Yeah, the contest I question. We ran it the first week and we didn't get any correct answers. Um, I was asking uh, who said this and when. If you can recall, it was, uh, there's the quote. In strict medical terms, marijuana is far safer than many foods we commonly consume. Marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. Now, the question was who said it and when? And we'll ship you out one of those DVDs, uh, Reefer Madness DVDs, to the one that has both, that was contingent on getting both of those correct. Well, we had some answers. We got one, uh, one gentleman. Uh, Sean, I believe it was uh-huh. that uh, he well he left us a call and I'll and I'll uh, I'll let you check that out. Calling from Indiana. Hi, uh, my name is uh-huh. Sean. Um, just got done listening to your podcast, uh, and I think I know the answer to um, your contest. I believe it was Francis Young, and he was uh, he said that quote during that bill that was trying to. Uh, I don't know, double the fines or something for the uh, pot brownies just recently. So um, that's my answer. Um, let me know if that was the right one. Oh. Thank you. Bye. Uh, <laughs> half right. He was half soaring right. with the Eagles for a minute, and then all of a sudden, boom. Dude so, probably did say that in, re- in yeah. relation to something uh, you know, else, but I guess what we're talking about is where he first said it, The original right? context. Yeah, Sean, I know that you're probably right. I'm sure that that's been reiterated uh, oh my gosh, probably countless times just because of the nature of it and who said it and the credibility of the man. And you did get the guy right. It's DEA Administrative Law Judge Francis uh, L. Young. And uh, the context, however, was a little bit different than that. The original context, this is pretty specific to info. It was regarding marijuana rescheduling petition, uh, which was actually in play um, in 1988. This is for the Department of Justice DEA, September 6th, 1988, it's marked as, um, where he also wrote, in his opinion, it would be unreasonable, arbitrary, capricious for the DEA to continue to stand between those sufferers the benefits of this sub- and the benefits of this substance. Um, that was uh, a well-noted one. Um, so we feel kind of dirty about this because we know this guy had a heads up a long time ago. And, and uh, we had the right answer from none other than Jay Selthoffner. Um, what? Yeah. Can you believe <laughs> <laughs> Outrage. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, forward this to him. Jay said, uh, that is, he sent us an email with his answer. He says, uh, that is too easy of a trivia question. Judge Francis Young in 1988 in a ruling regarding a hearing on DEA rescheduling marijuana. And then he writes, get this. I'm a Wisconsin ambassador for Americans for safe access. And they have that quote on the back of almost every medical brochure they print. So I guess that's fair enough. He he does what, you know, he's walking the walk. He's doing it for us all. And, you know, he comes in contact with that information regularly. It's no, no rule against that. Right. No, not. Yeah. Uh, Jay, if you'd like a copy of reefer madness, let us know. For sure, for sure. And Jay Jay is also wondering, he writes in his email, oh, look, he threw a question back at us. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, he said, Jay said, there was a quote by Jefferson I was looking for that stated to the effect of, some of the best memories I have are sitting out back smoking hemp cannabis while I looked over my acres and acres of hemp cannabis. In one of his diaries, uh, his treasurer, he says, my, my treasurer wanted it, but I have not had time 
and I'm not a knowledgeable, not that knowledgeable on uh, Jefferson. Um, we'd love to know if anybody out there knows the answer. So if you do know the email, answer, email call. us, phone call us. Yeah. yeah, let us know what's up with that. Oh, uh, cannabis agenda seven zero seven six five four can c a n n. Hook us up. Let us do know. Do you know the answer to that at all? No, I've I never heard that. I don't. That's, I don't. You know, I I was so ecstatic to have our founding fathers have having said outright something positively and openly completely supportive of of ingesting cannabis i knew hemp without a doubt but As so i, I checked over it my and, acres and acres of hemp cannabis yeah there's several <laughs> other that washington as well said and uh ben franklin was quoted as saying some very positive stuff about actually ingestion not just the industrial they all were static you know very emphatically uh pro industrial hemp but uh they actually literally believed it could save our country and, uh, you know, make us the most powerful it could possibly be. So they were 100%. But I never heard them say about ingesting, and I thought that would be the holy grail of things you could call up in a discussion, in, a, in a, an intelligent discussion about cannabis. So I checked and I found, I researched and dug and dug and dug, and I found the only thing I could find was a few really credible sources that says that said that's not true. And they were like serious authorities on Jefferson and uh, – they said, we have found nothing, and we look for it, and we can't find any of that. But it's prevalently stated as being true. So I'll look into that more. But huh. I think it's, uh, what would you call that? Not a wives' tale, kind of a... Bullshit? A yeah, just something that got culturally perpetuated, huh. and people took it as, that's the truth. There's lots of weird stories out there that, are, that people do that with. And I think that potentially this, uh, this is one of those instances but i'll check more and if anybody has anything else about that you know let us know we read your email about it we'll uh, be beyond of being appreciative we will uh be sure to send you out a dvd of uh reefer madness for your uh helpful consideration how's that until they're gone we'll be giving them away That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yo sean from indiana um emailed us too didn't he yeah i think it's the same guy i think uh, yeah we think so a little uh, NSA-style research on the gentleman, <laughs> and it looks like he's popping up in the same generalized location. So that's a good thing. Um, Sean from Indiana, we're guessing. Uh, he just said, this is Sean, and he, uh, he sent us a call. We're going to... No, no, no. We played his call earlier. He identifies himself as being from Indiana in this letter. Oh, excellent. Yep. Excellent, excellent. So excellent. we know this is the Sean from Indiana. Oh, this is completely different. Supplementary email. We appreciate that by, by all means. You want to read this, Pot, or should I take care of it? Uh, we, I'll read it. Okay. Um, hey, guys. My name is Sean, and I'm from Indiana. I'm a college student studying computer science. We'll be graduating at the end of the year. I've been following the medical marijuana scene intensively the past past few months and have decided I would much rather commit myself to the culture rather than a nine-to-five cubicle job. Feel you cool. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, with that being said, I was wondering if you guys could discuss how one would go about starting their own dispensary in either Colorado or California in your next podcast. Let's get into that briefly real quick, that mm -hmm. part of it. Um, Colorado and California – have started regulating um, mm -hmm. dispensaries uh, more thoroughly. Um, yeah, it's becoming every, significantly more prohibitive. Totally. In, in Colorado, for instance, they now have statewide guidelines, mm -hmm. um, and it requires um, pretty hefty application fees 
Um, I think it's like five grand just to apply. Um, you would also need to have space in a zone in an area that is okay with their zoning ordinances relating to medical marijuana now. Which, depending which, on your place, is makes it loony. difficult um, yeah. because they've written some of these regulations to basically make it nearly impossible to add any new um, new dispensaries. I'm sure right. that if you look really hard, you can find one. But it makes it hard. And the same sort of thing is going on in California. There's not a state guideline anymore for it. There is um, a letter from, like, the state secretary or attorney general with some guidelines, but that's not like like a, a bill that's been passed, kind of like how SB 420 used to be when it was in effect. But um, it um, – it kind of goes area to area, and you have the zoning guidelines, which affect you too. Um, and, I mean, really, the answer is you need a really good attorney, and you need money. Um, they've made it to where that's the story. It used to be when it first started, you could start a shop with very little money and very little red tape, but it is getting increasingly more difficult. Regulated. And to Yes, regulated. And to be honest, uh, meeting with an attorney based in the, the area, general area that you would be considering um, is what I would advise you to do so that you could kind of get a feel if that's even possible because they'll tell you straight up. They'll be like, well, you know, some of them say, well, we can just go ahead and open one and not be within the guidelines and fight them when they bring it to us. And that still happens. Um, and then there's the ones that will say, well, we'll try our best to do it through through the way they want it done and see if we can get it done. They'll, they'll On the ground, in the area you're interested in, they'll have a better uh, kind of understanding of the area. Um, you continue um, in your e – uh, Sean continued on in his email. Um, there's literally no information easily accessible on about how to go about doing this, which I understand. That's why I recommend the attorney. Um, and then you go on to say, I plan on moving out to Colorado or California and first do some caregiving services. Any info on how to do that would be interesting as well. Do you make a contract? How do people normally find others to care for? Are there any fees or licenses you need? Um, okay, caregiver. Caregivers of, what do you think about caregivers, Matt? Uh, in California, it's very difficult to meet the legal qualifications of a caregiver. Yes, you can that. get a card. You can get a card from the state in California. So you can apply in California to get a card, a, like a special caregiver's card. I, you may be able to do it in Colorado as well. If you're really interested in the caregiver scene, I think Michigan, Michigan yeah. is heavily, heavily into the caregiver aspect of it. So I think that's the place to consider. But Michigan, note, is not Colorado or California. Sorry. I like Michigan, but I like Colorado and California a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can do the caregiver thing. Here, people are caregivers just to kind of back uh, so that they can grow herb. Herb is sold here to dispensaries. Uh, there really aren't a lot of, like, caregiver sort of situations out yeah. here where people grow pots specifically for one patient. Um, it just doesn't work like that. So, um, you know. Uh, it's kind of a, I mean, the caregiver thing was kind of how it started, right? I mean, that's what the words were at first, and now it's just total. Since the dispensaries have formed, it's a whole different ballgame. Caregiving is totally different now. Um, if yeah. you wanted to grow, and if you wanted to grow in California, you probably would want to hook up with a collective and become a grower for a specific collective 
or form your own collective. California's um, uh, SB 420 really changed how it worked, how the really organized the whole dispensary scene. Mm-hmm. And now SB 420 doesn't even really exist anymore. Um, it was struck down in a, um, in California Supreme Court. It wasn't really struck so, down. It was just it, they said that these are the the minimum. Uh, they're not maximum yeah. uh, limits anymore. They're minimum limits for qualified patients. Yeah. Was it okay. six or eight? Uh, uh, what do you mean six or eight? The minimum ounces uh, plants. You can I think have. it's a half pound in ounces. I I don't know about the plants. plant limit. Hmm. Check that out. Yeah, I, well, I mean, what I would recommend, Sean, is uh, if you can afford it, talking with an attorney whenever you move out here or even in the prospective areas you're thinking about going to, um, go meet with some dispensaries. If you have any friends out here already working in the business, um, that's a good way to go about it. Um, you know, just kind of kind of start digging your nose around and figuring out exactly where you want to live and what you want to do. Um, if you want to start a dispensary, there's a lot of red tape. And if you want to be a grower, you can be a grower. Um, you just need to work with an attorney at some point to make sure that you're doing everything legally. Um, and like I said, potentially, uh, being a grower for a specific collective could work out for you also. So, um, he went on in the email to say, hey, Keep you know up what? The good- can What's I include up? something? I was just thinking about this. You know, I w- another thing I would highly suggest, and tell me if you agree with this, um, move to the place you're going to move to and uh, get settled in and kind of, uh, you know, more get comfortable and acclimated to the new environment before you endeavor and getting, you know, starting a business there. I would suggest, don't you think? At minimum, visit it and talk right. to a lot of people and get a feel for it and see, you know, what it feels like around your area and look into the new, you know, check the local news um, to try and get the opinions of, of people in that community and how they feel about it and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I mean, you need to, you definitely need to, to, to check out the area you want to live in because the way in California it works is every area is even regulated differently and the penalties change in different areas and the cops act differently in different, you know, different counties and different cities. So you really want to dig into all of that sort of stuff and, and try and figure out what's going to work best for you. So, yep, absolutely. Um, it looks like he, he went on to give us some cool praise, which was awesome. We appreciate the praise. We're doing the best we can and everyone always needs to just keep in mind that, Hey, it's organic. It's organic. Um, hey. He want, yeah. He wants a DVD. We'll send you a DVD. I don't know if we have his email. I mean, yeah, we, his address. We, we do. Need, okay. No, we D- do not. DVD. We need his address. Uh, need your address, Sean. Um, and you also had one last question. You wanted, wanted to also ask, how do dispensaries get their buds mostly? Is it strictly through their members? How does a member sell their stuff to dispensaries? Um, any other info behind the scenes would be really interesting on your next podcast. Okay, so this is one. I'll, I, I can answer this question. Please. Um, yeah. Uh, dispensaries do – there are two different types of dispensaries. There is a dispensary that is called – an in-house, like it's kind of known as an in-house dispensary, and what that means is, is that they either grow all of their herb for themselves, or they um, kind of like contract out—not actual contracts, but find people that will grow specific strains for them, so that they can keep bringing strains in on a regular basis. Um, and then some dispensaries have one or two in-house strains that they 
that they um, grow, that they cultivate, and then they purchase the rest. Um, I would say that every dispensary probably purchases some, um, but but there's a big difference between the ones that try and do as much as possible in-house and then the ones that do just straight from vendors. What a vendor is, a vendor is typically someone that has purchased marijuana from a grower and then goes and goes around to the dispensaries that they have relationships with and tries to then sell that to a dispensary for a small profit. And um, that is how a lot of, dis I would say the majority of dispensaries get their stuff is through some sort of vendor, whether they go to get it or it comes to their dispensary. And, um, and I might add that, that that's a legal gray area too. It's not, it's not certain whether vendors are legal entities. Mm -hmm. uh, and, well, they're gray. I mean, there is yep. no – yeah, there's – that that part of it is the part that's gray. It's one of the, the big loopholes still, the things that are – you know, the system's still trying to define and work out. Big gray area, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's, it's, it's changing, but yeah, that's, that's what goes on, man. The people, uh, vendors try and purchase weed from growers, dispensaries sometimes try and go straight to growers, dispensaries try to grow as, a lot of them try to grow as much of their own as possible. Um, so, you know, um, and, and, and the answer to the, is it strictly through members? It's supposed to be, if you're vending, you do have to become a member of the collective technically, um, because what you're in legal terms doing is, um, redistributing excess medicine basically. Um, because technically most, I mean, well, now you're getting back into the gray area too. Originally this started, you're supposed to be growing your own medication. So then it was like, you're trying to grow your own medication for you and those you care give for, and then any excess is what you were selling to your collective, um, and so you're just redistributing your excess medicine. Now, we all know that that's not really what's happening anymore, that people are doing this for profit, but uh, I guess and speaking of profit, that's another th interesting thing about California and Colorado that you might want to consider. In California, if you have a dispensary, you're supposed to be operating as a not-for-profit entity currently. Don't even know if that's constitutional, really. It's very debatable. But in Colorado, I believe you're, you can make some sort of, of profit, and they, they recognize that you are trying to be a for-profit entity. And also, when I was talking about Michigan earlier with the caregiver thing, if you're wanting to do that, they also recognize that caregivers are trying to make profit in Michigan too. So in California, they have this weird sort of like – socialism aspect to it where it's like a collective and you're supposed to act as like a or a cooperative and it's supposed to be all not for profit sort of behavior although you still pay yourself like uh some sort of salary or wage it's very very weird um you know a, a good california attorney would probably uh be able to tell you best and, and, and hey maybe at some point we can get one on here yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, essential. We're going to need to do that. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that more and more, you know, you need attorneys to wage these kind of battles. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, most businesses are like that, aren't they? Don't yeah. don't. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, that's very true. I mean, almost anyone that operates some sort of credible business has at least the counsel of an attorney. I would I would guess. Yeah, to some yeah. degree, and an accountant and other professionals. I would imagine. I would hope. Right, right. 
you know, which um, <laughs> I guess a lot of people in the, you, you know, deeply in the culture kind of oppose that sort of stuff because that's Indeed. one of the like, you know, and, and, and I, I get that. Um, I get that. There but, are however? Uh, for me, yeah, there is a however for me. I mean, I just noticed that doing things more professionally makes it to where you can live a more fulfilled life. I don't know. Like it puts, it helps you compartmentalize things, but some people are so deeply ingrained in the pot culture that like, they don't want to compartmentalize it. It is right. what they do. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it's change like, it's sucks. them. And change yeah. sucks to them guys. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. You know, and I, I understand and, and change is tough to deal with, but don't turn into the, grumpy old grandpa this early, this whole industry is going to continue to change no matter how much you don't want it to. It's just happening. It's happening, man. It's happening. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> oh, we got some interesting shit coming up. What's this stuff about? This one, this was an yeah. interesting email. Yeah, this is one from uh, No Names from uh, the good state of Ohio. He said, without giving names, it's anonymous, I guess we'll dub this one, uh, without giving any names. Oh, and be... Uh, be sure to. I wanted to be sure to note that if you know you request, we always tell you if you know if you don't want us to say your name, then that's fine. Just let us know. Otherwise, we'll assume that we'll just use your first name. So, so this, this is, is John Stoner from Ohio. This is no names. He <laughs> John says, Doe. No name. Yeah, John Doe. John Stoner. Dope. John Doe. But anywho, um, <laughs> moving on to this, he said, "I am a without giving any names. I am a veteran in Ohio." and work at a job that does not let me use marijuana. However, a friend of mine is also a veteran and works right here with me. So I'm taking it from the context of this letter that, that his friend works right with him in the same p capacity. And as he continues, he came to work the other day and informed everyone that his doctor at the veterans clinic wrote him a recommendation and entered this into his, into his record book. He writes, uh, you guys know Ohio does not have medical marijuana. What's up with this? If they are not allowed to write scripts for for MJ, just thought you guys would like to hear this. By the way, I listen to all your podcasts end to end. I'm 50 years old, starting smoking in 1973. Keep spreading the truth. You guys are doing a great job. And, uh, well, we appreciate the, the emails that have some serious content like this uh and then wow. of course the kind comments that's heavy, but, man. That's yeah so heavy you know i checked into this a little bit and as far as i'm aware the the va will simply allow uh veterans to use medical cannabis if prescribed under the guidelines and only in states that have medical marijuana um, legislation passed right didn't so, we cover that story when when they officially changed their stance on it? That was just a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But we uh, there's one question that I have that I think is pertinent to this, and I'm not sure you because you know do you know people that go like my grandfather? I have a lot of veterans in my family and and some aged ones. And when they were going to the VA, you know, I'll be like, Grandma, what's up? What's what's going on? Oh, I'm taking your grandfather to VA. It's like in another state, almost every time they went to places, I guess because there's only certain specialties available at certain VA clinics. So you have to go out of state a lot. So I, I don't know the to clarify whether you can go, if you're going to get treated in a state that has medical marijuana laws, if you're okay to use it, that wouldn't make any sense because they know you're going to go right back into a state that doesn't. So as far as I'm aware, uh, the law is, is stated pretty strictly um, as only in states that already have existing 
uh, medical marijuana laws. So that would be 14 states currently. Um, but there is a website, and I hope I can find this. This is a great. We can go to our, our, our website, www.cannabisagenda.com, and you'll be able to get this link for our show as we usually uh, list the links. And it's a link from the New York Times about uh, the VA easing its rules. And within this story, it's a pretty good story, but in the story, there's a, a link that'll take you straight to the letters that have been written by the leadership involved in this rule transition and and it's specifically to address to to address clarification of what they have done so you can uh check that out it's a pdf file you can download so that's really helpful too it's also an organization called veterans for medical org, and it's got links to all these all the correspondence going on about this and detailed information about what does but do you know anything about this pot? What's up? Do you... well, well, here's what I know. Any doctor in a medical marijuana state can write you. Uh, uh, it's, they're not prescriptions. Right. They're recommendations. Yeah, that that's a key you difference. You try using cannabis for therapeutic reasons. And most of them have a date that it comes in effect and a date that it expires, and they require you to come back and renew it. Um, so if a VA doctor worked in California – at a VA hospital, he potentially could write a recommendation for therapeutic cannabis for a patient, but he might get fired for doing it because he's an employee of the federal government. So it's possible that these sort of things may start happening. Um, it's possible that some activist doctor in a non-medical marijuana state said, <laughs> I'm just going to write a recommendation. Let's see where this goes. It's possible. But I would guess that it's probably kind of not very um, likely. Not very likely. No, no I can't imagine. Um, but man, it is blending the rules between the state and federal government a lot. And it's making a lot of the gray area. The fact that now the VA has said, you won't lose your benefits if you're a medical marijuana patient. Sure. I think and that's that's the gist of why they made this gesture, this movement in this direction, because it was, this was not only gray, I mean, this was dark, murky gray area. And uh, they really, it, it just begged for some clarification. And I, sure. I think most people were behind that move as well. They had a lot of vocalized support. I agree. But you know what happens with the marijuana movement too, is as soon as someone does one thing like this, Someone's trying to pick apart what was just said and say, well, really, this is saying I can do this also. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so someone might be doing this also because they believe, they're looking they've at interpreted it. Like, it. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, it didn't say I couldn't. It says that I can continue, you know, they won't lose their benefits. And then it didn't say that a doctor in a medical state can't give us. So that to me, that means I can, you know? And that's been common within the cannabis movement. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to keep up on this. Yeah, I'm we'll sure definitely keep an feeling, eye on I have a feeling there will be some real hard news about further uh, getting into this sort of stuff at some point. There's going to be some sort of conflict that's brought to the attention of the, of the, of the media eventually. So, um, yeah, I don't know. If, if no name from Ohio, if John Dope will give us a call or, you know, if his buddy wants to call and, Talk to us about it. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> we, you want if you want to tell us the uh, the story, man. That'd be cool. Cause um, yeah. no, I'm a, I'm a little suspect on it, but 
We'll awesome. See. And hey, check this out. Did we get another email, Cox? I think. You mean from Stanley? A little correctional thing. <laughs> yeah, you guys. So, <laughs> you guys, dude. So I last... was listening. I was listening, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. What hey, happened? It's you organic. Call... Stanley. Stanley. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, we, we we answered Stanley's question on the show last week, uh, but it wasn't Stanley. Uh, he he sent us an email and um, he wanted us to let us know that it. Uh, well, we think it is. It's Staley. Mm-hmm. Staley, Staley, dude. I, I okay. So here's the deal. Here's why I was laughing my ass off at you guys when I was listening back to the t- to the show uh, oh. a few days ago. I think Stanley is Staley, and I think Staley is a girl. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Yeah, dude. I'm. I'm. I, the whole time that we were reading these emails, I was thinking <laughs> well, the first female email is a be. continuous emailer. Female you know? email. That should be a segment. The female email. The female <laughs> email. That would be awesome <laughs> if we get enough like, female. Bits. I, dude, I have a feeling Staley is, has has is is a girl. I'm willing to. Has I'm, are you going to finish that sentence? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say has blue eyes and long, long curly brown hair. Maybe is, so. Is, you know, is, if there is, is a girl, I apologize. I apologize personally. I feel horrible if it's a girl and we called her Stanley. Stanley. But, but if it's a, if it's not a girl, then we appreciate you just the same as Staley, the male listener. Right. Well, Staley is gonna call in eventually, and we're gonna uh, talk yes. to Staley about Washington and many other medical marijuana uh, issues. Um, so we're gonna find out. And I, I'm willing to make a bet. Staley's a girl. What are you? Okay. What are you willing to bet here? Then? I'll bet. I don't know. What do you want to throw out there? What do you want to bet? Oh, like a like a like an eighth of some chronic. Uh, oh. How about how about like a dinner like. When football starts, like a night of wings and beers on you, Matt. Football, huh? Yeah, I know you're real excited about that. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> contest. That really is a payment. We'll do, yeah, w- wings and beers. Wings and beers. Oh, that's the good one. Wings and beers on the loser. Mm-hmm. So, and, you can just uh, have they, them at a place that's showing football. Sure. There's lots of those sports spots. Yeah, there's a new spot in Crescent City, Matt, that I'll take you to. But Do I don't you guys know have Wild Wings? In, uh... Wild Wings. No, we don't have any of those Places. chains up here, man. Wow, that's Not a all. great thing. One of the yeah, best parts. I mean, we have some chains, like all the fast fast food crap and yeah. like home, hometown buffet. But, yeah, we don't we don't have a lot of chains. Wow. Um, Staley. Sorry. Hopefully... I, you know, we'll see how that works. We're betting on yeah. his gender. That's great. Oop, her gender. Her. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Staley, thanks for listening. We sure appreciate it. And uh, all oh, of our yeah. listeners, that send I can't us wait emails. to talk to you. And dude, we've been getting a lot more emails lately. It's really cool. We, great, we yeah. really, uh, really appreciate the emails. Keep yeah. on sending them. Uh, info at cannabisagenda dot com. Uh, and we'd love to hear your voices too. Seven zero seven six five four can C A N N. Oh, events! Lots of cool yeah. stuff coming up, huh? How, how did we miss this weekend, dude? You know what I missed? Is it already? When I was down seeing fish, there was a, a hemp co- uh, convention in um, San Francisco while I was there. Oops! Hmm. Oops! Wow, that's big. 
Yeah, uh, yeah I think we've even plugged it on the show way back in the day, like a long time ago. Awesome. And um, <laughs> so I don't know where my marbles out. were. <laughs> lost them, huh? uh, yeah, oops. Um, what's, what did we miss? This is this weekend? Dude, this this weekend is the Seattle Hemp Fest. Yeah, it's the, is that still the biggest in the nation? I think they're expecting two or 300,000 people. Well, that would be wow. a yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. All that's those, really a lot of people. And all those people are puffing the whole time, huh? So, yeah, so that's uh, this, this Saturday and Sunday, uh, which happen to be the 21st and 22nd of August. Cogs, didn't you say nice. something about a, a police officer making a – or a judge making a comment about – No, it was uh, the district attorney, I think. Well, okay, so Seattle, they already have their, their – uh, police have come up – come out with a determination that marijuana crimes are their lowest law enforcement priority, mm-hmm. which is great. So you go to Seattle Hemp Fest and, and burn one, you're probably not going to get arrested. Right. If you were to get arrested for a minor marijuana infraction at uh, Hemp Fest, the, the district attorney um, has said that I don't know whether it's a she or he, but um, that uh, the office will not, <laughs> the office will not prosecute minor uh, marijuana uh, crimes. So, it's like game on. Game on, yeah, that's awesome. That's very so awesome. So you're going there to to smoke I, doobies, aren't I'm, you? I'm going there to have a blast. I think I'm going. Yeah. yeah, I think that's. I think I made my decision this morning. It's. I'm leaving Illinois and I'm driving to Seattle. It's actually less miles than driving to Crescent City. As weird as that seems, well, that's bizarre. Mm. Mm. The curvature wow. of the earth, huh? dude. You're gonna. That, that's. I, I'm jealous, man. I'm so jealous. That sounds like a blast. Sounds yeah, I'm like a blast. Looking forward I would, to it. I would love to be there. Uh, I guess the first one I'm going to make it to is the normal conference, which is coming up September 9th through Portland. 11th. Portland. I love Portland. I can't yeah, wait. What a beautiful place. I'm so excited to go to Portland. Good so. old good energy in Portland. Lots Definitely. Definitely. Really stoked. Uh, mm-hmm. It's held at the historic landmark Governor Hotel. Hey, anybody out there with some pool? You need to get us some free passes to this thing. <laughs> come on. We're going to cover it. We've been plugging it for weeks now. We're going to come and do, we're going to try and do some interviews and talk to some people and um, get the, sh- you know, um, um, get the show, you know, let people know about the show, what we're doing and everything. Get the show person. on the road. Literally. Yep. Literally. Yeah. Organic style. Yeah. You know, do it. So we also got something in Massachusetts. The uh, 21st annual Boston Freedom Rally is on oh. Saturday, September 18th at high, no- high noon. High noon. <laughs> on the Boston <laughs> Common. Um, I think this one's a pretty big thing. Um, this is the second year there will be two two music stages for it. So I guess traditionally they only had one. Uh, I was looking at the. I was the I I wasn't really familiar with any of the bands that will be playing there. Uh, it's held by the Massachusetts. Massachusetts Cannabis Reform Coalition. Um, nice. It's been going on for a while. The pictures I've seen, it looks fairly big. I don't know how big it is in comparison to Hemp Fest, but I guess that it's the it's probably kind of the west the East Coast's form of of Hemp Fest. So um, it would be fun. I have you know I'd love to go hang out in Boston. So I don't know. I, I checked into tickets. It looks. It looks like for me to pull it, it'd be like a $600 thing. So it's kind of expensive, but um, I would love to make it there just to kind of hang out in Boston right around that time. Cause that's kind of probably like the best weather for Boston, I guess the perfect time the of the end year. of September. Yeah. Perfect, perfect time of the year. So, 
Um, so that'd be cool. So if you're in any of these areas, if you're near Seattle, you're down with weed, mm-hmm. go to the Hemp Fest. Everyone else is going to be there. Yeah, it'll um, be a great time. If you can make it to the normal conference, it's going to be a seriously good place to get educated and to make some good t- contacts and to build your network. Um, and then I, I would I would imagine that I kind of have a feeling the Freedom Rally is going to be more of an entertainment sort of thing. Um, and I don't know what Hempfest is like, but hey, we're going to get to find out from Cog. So. I, I think they That's have uh, four or five music stages. It's it's Whoa. three it's three parks, three connecting parks, and they're all filled. Wow, it's wow. huge! Wow, yeah. So that if you're so anywhere fun. near Seattle this weekend, you should try to make it down there. That sounds so fun, dude. I'm really jealous. That's awesome. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm glad you're getting to do that. that Me too. Cool. We can't wait. Gonna bring can't wait more, to hear, dude. Gonna bring more big lighters and hand them out. Nice. I, I wonder yeah. how many. If you if you heard about this show from a big lighter, send us an email. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 organic. Um, it's our own personal little marketing tool. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I just noticed. I looked up that uh, Boston Freedom Rally, and it's sponsored heavily by Normal and High Times. So, so it's going to be yeah, yeah, a radio it's gonna be a, station. It's going to be a throwdown for sure. So it's going to be a, a for real uh, throwdown. So that's a great, you thing. can check them out at, uh, bostonfreedomrally.com. Yeah. And did we let our listeners know about the other two websites? The hemp fest is hempfest.org and uh, normal is that uh, normal.org. Mm-hmm. And you can just click on the links from normal.org and find the conference stuff. So Absolutely. sweet. Well, uh, we got an email. Did we get an email from Kelly Dodds at the 707 Cannabis College? We sure did. Yeah, I'm sure most people, if anybody that heard that show, certainly remembers that we had a wonderful interview with Let's just uh, tell our listeners who she is again. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, also, I'll pull up the episode number where they can listen to that interview. You know what? I would love it if uh, Mr. Pot Green could handle this. And her her email said, Pot. Pot? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if she's listening. You listening, Kelly? Let us know if you're listening. Um... (laughs) And uh, Kelly um, Dodds is the president of the 707 Cannabis College in Garberville, California, which is kind of like the unofficial capital of the Emerald Triangle. And um, what they're trying to do is start a cannab- – they, they're trying to start a cannabis college that kind of is better than all the rest. And the reason that they think they can do it is because they live in an area where there's just a wealth of, of knowledge on the subject. Um, and, um, they're really trying to pull together a very professional school that has a large focus on sustainability and, and, and like, um, good use, uh, like safe, um, organic, they're big on organics. Um, they want to try and lighten the impact on, um, the earth that, that the cannabis trade has. So, um, you should check them out. Their website is uh, 707cannabiscollege.com. Uh, and then you could also put that, slash uh, schedule if you want to look straight at the schedule or follow the links. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to that interview, I would suggest as well. Um, it's on sh- episode 21 of the Cannabis Agenda. So, Yeah, and the fa- what, what the, the classes she wanted us to announce for, the foundation classes, which is like I guess the initial classes you need to take her on uh, – September 11th and 12th, a Saturday and a Sunday, and then they're also on November 20th and 21st, also a Saturday and Sunday. And then a cool one for people is a curing and storage workshop, 
which is on September 10th, which if I was in town, I would, I would totally go that. check that yeah, out. That's, but That's we're going to be in Portland, dude. We're going to be in Portland for that. So hopefully mm-hmm. they do that again because I think that's huge. Oh, I yeah. think a lot of people screw up the way they cure and store pot. And it, it just ruins the shelf life, mm-hmm. ruins the look, ruins the and, feel, ruins and, the smell, ruins the smoke. So Yeah, um, and ultimately yeah. If, if you do cure properly, I know that that makes your bud more – uh, tasty and more potent and more enjoyable, and it's really the true imperative aspect or part of finishing your grow. And for those of you that care, it gives you better bag appeal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, if you really start paying attention to how you cure, I mean, you can make good. You can make good flowers look like shit, and you can make shitty flowers look a lot better than they did when you first cut them down just by curing properly. So, um, you know, it is an it is a kind of a blend of art and science, um, and I, I'm totally interested in seeing what because i mean they've been getting they've been having people down in that area curing weed properly for a long time so they probably have some really cutthroat rules and stuff that, of do's and don'ts you know which would be good to know um because Absolutely. it'd be good so we're taking a check class. out the, yep and if you're interested in the college check out their website or even go back and listen to our interview with kelly on uh, episode 21 it was it was like a 30 minute interview. So yeah, it was really good. You know, um, I recall she said at the end of our interview, she said, you know, that was great. Thank you so much for having me. She said, I felt like we were old friends. And I thought, well, that's really nice of her to say. She seemed struck me as a very honest person and, you know, openly spoken person. And I was impressed that she said that. And you know what? I just wanted to include that. I felt that way too. And that was really awesome. So I know that in her email, she meant to say pot and Jamie and Cogs, but, uh, you know, it was it was fantastic to hear from her, and she she's really knowledgeable about this stuff. So, uh, if I get a chance, I think I might be taking in the curing and storage workshop someday soon. Hopefully soon, dude. My graduation stop, gift to myself. Stopprop19.com is no longer on the web, or it is coming soon yes. again. They're working on it or something. Yes, uh, it was coming soon last week as well. But I was on it. I no, logged no, no. on there, to it. There are two. Yeah. There's two. Yeah, different there, people okay, so. them. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little on, on last show. We, there, there are two different like parties oh, who don't want – What, what right. were those again? Do you recall? Yeah, yeah, I have them both here. We, we had stop19.com, which is, which is the one that is functional. And these are the growers who don't want to see pot legalized. And then we have StopProp19.com, who are the cops and prison guards who don't want to see marijuana legalized. Right. Um, Stop19.com is up and running. And I I have a little – I got a little statement to read from this if it's cool. This is on their site. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is is on the About page from their site. On the About page? Yeah, let me go there. Go there and make sure it still is because (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they took it off. But this was there last week. Yeah, Being right. about page, I see home page. That's all I see. So, stop19.com. Well, is there a little uh, – I'm loading it right now. Um, oh, home. Uh, just the, all I see is a home page. The, the tab on the furthest right, stop19. That's the one. That one. Okay. I'm there. I'm, so, uh, that's what I thought. Man. Okay. So, yeah. You, it's still there, it looks like. Um, yep. <laughs> okay. Stop19.com, its creators, representatives, and or contributors cite – Make no warranties of any kind, either expressed or complied, concerning the data, statistics, opinions, <laughs> quotes, images, etc., content on the site. Further, Stop19.com does not warrant that the transmission of the content will not be interrupted 
nor does it warrant that the content will contain no errors or be accurate. <laughs> In other words, we're selling you a bunch of bullshit. And it is a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch it of a fear bunch tactics of is yeah. what it is. I yeah. can't believe oh, they no. wrote that on Governmental their control, excessive taxes, corporate greed, big tobacco, these guys are the greedy crimes, yeah. political favors, unclear language, federal intervention, and loss of public funds. Oh, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coming it should soon, just say, uh, stop 19, because I don't want to fucking hire an accountant, man. And I don't <laughs> want to pay my taxes, man. And I don't want to compete with corporations, man. I would prefer to keep working with the mob. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I looked over this entire site. I tried to figure out, I've been trying to figure out who, who do I talk to? Who do we get on this show that is, you know, following Stop19.com or, even better, a part of its creation? And, and come on here and debate um, all of these uh, uh, statistics, opinions, quotes, images. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You're inviting <laughs> content. them. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Bring Beautiful it on. I wanna, I'm so done. Uh, dude, what they call – they're calling them the Prop 19 cartel. Parts in the give a de definition of cartel. Are those the cartel, pro prop nineteen? Yes, okay. these are the people in Oakland. He's basically talking about Richard uh, Lee. Richard Lee um, <laughs> and the people in Oakland that put all the money out to get Prop nineteen on there, and, and they're basically claiming that the only reason they want it is because it's going to benefit them. Well, there's tr some truth to that, right? Sure. I mean, you know, they want to make a bunch of money selling weed legally in California. Yeah. That's what they do. So. Of course, they're going to support this sort of thing. And now the warrant – now talking about what's going on in Oakland is a whole separate issue from whether or not weed should be legal or not. Right. The way that it's going down in, in Oakland is kind of questionable, right? Like, I mean, we've debated the, the giant the uh, warehouses and yeah, they've yeah. got four specific warehouses and. So anyway, they call them the Prop 19 Cartel, which is. Um, <laughs> The AKA SK Seymour LLC, Oaksterdam University, and cannabis millionaire Richard Lee. And they define a cartel as an association of manufacturers or suppliers with the purpose of maintaining prices at a high level and restricting competition. Well, what's going on in Oakland? Some people in Oakland are talking about bringing prices to a low level. But they are kind of restricting competition. I would agree that that is, that is happening. But that doesn't mean that it's going to happen on a whole throughout the whole state, this bill, when it passes, is going to allow the state to make guidelines, and then it's going to allow local areas to make guidelines. It's just like any other business. It's going to be regulated by the government, not by the people. So um, hopefully, I mean, we're going to have to fight for fair regulation. I already know that. I mean, that's a given. We're going to have to fight for fair regulation, and they're going to throw some shit at us that's not fair, and we're going to have to fight about it. Yeah. And um, – Yep. And that's just the way that business goes. Sure. I mean, so I don't know. I'm just, I just, what all are they putting in here? There's just so much crap. I would prefer for one of these, for one of these people to come on here and uh, and Excellent. talk with us about it. And we promise um, that we won't attack them and make it like a Fox News thing where we lure them in so we can potentially beat them up on air and act, you know, act all dominant. That's ridiculous policy. And we're not going to do that. Well, we'll give them an honest a place platform right to say their sure. piece we'll give them an honest play a, pla they can have a platform to say their piece but then there will be there will be discussion following their piece sure. because 
um, I'm reading their piece. But they would just get the opportunity to state it in their words, how they intended to be said and understood. Sure. Perfect, man. That's a brilliant idea, my friend. Well, I'm, I, no one's going to take it on. I can't find out who to who to talk to from this website from Stop Nineteen. We might be able once the Stop Prop Nineteen site comes up, up, we might be able to find someone from there. Sure. But this one just looks totally like oh. bogus, dude. Um, well, we they know. have like I don't know, looks yeah. bogus to me. So I, expert yeah. analysis. Well, they're coming out. Um, There's some groups. Even if it's uh, hearsay and age-old propaganda and fear tactics and so forth, it's a lot of mindless drivel in large part, you know? Same same old, same old. Uh, I don't even want to go over there. I mean, I, right. I want them to. I want them to bring it to. If, if there's someone that's listening and they really, you really just don't like us supporting prop 19 it's time to hear from you i want to know why ah, i want to talk about these reasons i want to i want to just determine what's real and what's not real because right. i know within the within the counterculture there's a lot of fear-mongering going on right now a lot of it and um i don't know i mean we're talking about legalizing weed people yeah don't forget that it's a more it's it's a moral issue um for any of you that work in this industry you really telling me that you, it's not at least some sort of a moral dilemma for you to go in a voting box and vote against legalizing pot? Come on. I would feel uncomfortable. I mean, I you, at least <laughs> you'd have to think about it, right? Like, I mean, strictly for financial gain, could you go? I mean, no, because, you know, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to compete with corporations. I don't want, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, even in the, even in a, under our ter- current economy, the way that the medical scene's going, you're having to start compete with corporations already. Already, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know, but put the brakes on that. It's a debatable. It's a total debatable thing. It's crazy. It's People happening. Coming out strong We're soon. Yes, yeah, coming to. out strong. You know, we got so, some yeah, uh, strong supportive opinions as well, although. Um, by many people actually who truly know their business. Let me tell you, um, Judge Jim Gray from California on Prop 19. Um, and its effect on an increase in intoxicated drivers, um, he is just, I think we have a clip for that, do we? Can we? Uh, I thought we were doing Fitchner. Fitchner first? We can do that. It's no problem at all. Um, Dr. Christopher Fitchner on Prop 19. Yes, What's sir. What's he talking about? He has just written a new book. It's called Canonomics. It's about uh-huh. the need for support from the federal government and the policy change that would obviously facilitate such a shift. And uh, he... Uh, Dr. Fitchner states that the it's it has very strong uh, feelings um, that the federal government's long past time for the federal government to take ownership of the situation, and he states something to that effect in this clip we have. And uh, take a listen and see what uh, he has to say. Might take a couple seconds of him to, uh, finishing up what he was talking about previously. For it, because of its anti-anxiety or mood stabilizing properties. All right, so now he's going to talk about Prop 19. Mm-hmm. Nice background music. Are we going to uh, hit a tipping point this November? You know, I'm going to say we're in the process of that, and I'm going to say yes. I mean, I think that uh, everything points in that direction. More importantly than that, I think when California does get there, whether it's this November or later, I do think it will be this November. 
But when California does get there, I think the number of other states that are going to fall right behind it will be a, a large number. I think almost every state that's approved it medically will fall in behind California very, very rapidly. And I think there are other states that are working on medical initiatives that will stop and change it into a tax and regulate initiative. Cannabinomics was written to call for change, not at the state level, that's already happening, it's, to call, it's written to call for change at the federal level, for the federal government to step in and take some ownership, not of cannabis prohibition, not of marijuana prohibition, but of regulation of access to herbal cannabis for medicinal, therapeutic, and uh, age-restricted, over-the-counter access. Um, the federal government needs to take an active role in that because we all have a stake in it. All right, Dude, awesome. I am such a nerd. Articulate that book sounds stated. way interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm checking it out for sure. We'll definitely <laughs> uh, let you know. We'll have to kind of discuss a little bit about what we think about his book and if we if it passes the, the, the muster. We should try and get this guy on the show after we've read his book. Oh, see, we'll uh, slap it right on the book list and sure. I would yep. love to, I'd love to have some articulate individuals talking to us about serious issues that, like this that matter. Um, additionally, uh, we, we mentioned briefly before, J- Judge Jim Gray from California. Now, let me tell you something. I am, after 18 years of it, I'm fairly confident that I can handle prohibitionist mindset in the flesh, in person, where we can both be human beings and respectfully look at each other and discuss openly, actively disseminate the different talking points and and explaining things together and and debating. I think I can handle myself. And I think probably most you guys could both do as well. Um, It's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of time, though. Well, I think it's a waste of energy to debate with probe with an absolute prohibitionist because they I don't think they're going to change their mind. Yeah, I, I think know. in a lot of cases that's it. It's not based on logic. It's not based on truth. It's not based on anything that's sound. It's based on some sort of ideology, ideological belief or some sort of religious-based beliefs, um, which I'm not even cl- clear are, are actually factual or accurate in themselves. But uh, one guy. That any, any, no, you know, he could stand in front of any prohibitionist. In fact, I would feel very comfortable showing my grandparents or somebody like that the footage from this man because he's very articulate. He's been a judge. Uh, he's retired now. He's been a judge in California for, for at a high level court in California, um, I believe, well over two decades. And he's, pro- he's, he's prosecuted and, and passed judgment on numerous, I mean, probably literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of uh, drug offenders in the past. So he knows what he's talking about. And uh, we, have a, we have a brief clip and hear what Judge Jim Gray, and if you, if you don't know much about uh, Judge Gray, I would highly recommend you do some Googling, check him out and look for all the clips you can get from him because he never sounds like an idiot. He is not one. He is a very intelligent individual and he knows what he's talking about. He's not just a smart guy learning about stuff. He knows exactly he's been there. So uh, here's our clip from uh, Judge Gray and a little bit about what he feels about the uh, the connection that the prohibitionists have been largely making between uh, cannabis use and uh, or cannabis intoxication and driving. This coming November, there is an initiative on the ballot to treat marijuana like alcohol. One of the beauties of this initiative is that it allows each city to decide how best to treat this subject. Some cities may decide that they will have it sold in package stores. Others will allow you to grow it at home however they wish to do it. Others may decide rightfully not to allow it to be sold within their city limits. One thing that is going to have to happen, though, is we're going to have to reduce the price so that we drive the illegal sellers out of business. Really important. 
but then hold people accountable for their actions. This initiative will do that, and anyone driving a motor vehicle under the influence or violating any other laws, you bring them to me as a judge, and we will deal with it strictly, just like we do with alcohol. So these are things that we need to focus on, and the more you learn about this initiative, the more you will join me in November and vote yes on the initiative to treat marijuana like alcohol for adults. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm 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 hearing him. Yeah, man. <laughs> you can adopt me. I can be his new grandson. <laughs> you like, got a you got a man crush on him. Sounds like <laughs> he's like the most. He has absolutely uh, sterling credibility as far as in the legal field and the justice system and so forth. But he has absolutely no uh, behavioral connection to the counterculture movement, to uh, cannabis culture in general, or the drug culture in general. He doesn't do any of those things. I don't believe he even drink, if he's a drink if he drinks at all, it's just very, very rarely like at a special dinner at the country club or something of that nature, you know? And for someone like that, 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 that is that articulate and that qualified and credible to speak out, that's a testament to the fact that this is an argument about common sense and what, what's right and wrong in a general realistic uh, arena. Uh, you know, it's not it's not based or pulled out of place on by some strong uh, ideology or, or religious based you know beliefs. It's it's cut and dry, man. And I, I just I can't find I can't I couldn't name off right now. You know, on on both hands, I don't even know if one hand people that are that credible that speak that distinctly and clearly about i mean he's it's the business dude get the get the most intelligent well-organized prohibitionist that thinks they have a real serious angle that we'd all believe in and have them talk together and i oh they, i bet that will never happen i bet it won't i bet nobody wants to go against that guy because you know he just says it how it is and he's right and he's a judge that prosecutes you know i mean we hear from dea people leap is a good thing we can mention that again it's leap.org um, law enforcement, law enforcement. I'm sorry, against prohibition, and uh, that's comprised of retired, like a lot of police chiefs and uh, uh, high-ranking um, commander of the Massachusetts State Police and uh, DEA people, federal agents. These people have lived the life, man. They know exactly what's up with the drug war and what's up with cannabis uh, legal, the, can, the legal climate in general surrounding cannabis. So. Yeah, when we hear from those people, phew, dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Not that I discredit the dude that goes, hey, man, far out, man, you know. I smoked this herb the other day, man. You know, he, hey, he's a great guy, and he might make sense, too, but to get this message through. But then, you know what? That, that's, that goes back to the difference between our perspectives of what we're doing. Because I'm, I'm thinking pretty kind of biased against, like, activist lines, and you know. I mean, I'd, love, I'd much rather have the, the judge talking to the senators at a at a open you know forum or discussion at the courthouse, or at the federal you know building, or not the federal building. I'm talking about the state uh, government building. Yeah, plus you just like his beautiful gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, man crush. I need a man crush button you know what? for you. Anybody that knows about this, anybody that knows about this movement and what's going on at all, to any degree, will Google this guy and watch some stuff he's talking about. Go, dude, man, he's like the freaking nuclear weapon in this in this argument or 
I guess you would call but it. But much sexier. <laughs> but steely-eyed. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to move on to another story. Quick, quick. quick, quick. Talk about this one. This is a uh, drug drugwarrant.com story by Pete Geither. Oh, yeah. um, it's talking about cost savings in California prisons. Uh, if you don't know, you need to check yourself and know California is in a state huge financial crisis. We've done IOUs to to state employees. We've for for a little bit they docked them down to minimum wage while the budget was being passed, and uh, it's been out of control. Um, our uh, prison um, growth has jumped crazy, unprecedented. In the last two decades, yeah. um, and California's cost per inmate is at forty, uh, roughly forty-five thousand dollars per inmate, which is in comparison to a national average of a little under twenty-nine thousand dollars. So, um, the correctional facility is one of the biggest drains on the state budget. Um, and uh, he, he, so what Pete was talking about in the story is at one point we had an opportunity to pass Prop 5, which would have significantly reduced the number of nonviolent drug offenders. Um, but there was a huge campaign, $1.8 million campaign. It was vicious, and he says mendacious. Guess who it was that funded the campaign? The California Correctional Peace Officers Association. Oh, of course. Of course. Why? Surprise. Because they make a lot of money. They make 38% more than their highest paid counterparts in the in the country. Get so out. the people that work in these prisons and the people that work around the prisons make a lot of money, and that's one of the reasons why it's nearly – dude, it's, it's like – $18,000 more for a, an inmate to live in a California prison than it is Jeez. in a prison on the national average. So there's something absolutely wrong there. And obviously, um, as a political action committee, they have some power. Um, oh, yeah, they're really they have, strong. They've fought hard, to, and I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of money on Prop 19. They want people to stay in jail. That keeps jobs in their communities. Uh, that's, that's how Crescent City is, too. That's weird. Pelican um, Bay but yeah, that, Crescent City. Isn't uh, yep, it? yep. It, it, it's, um, it's a weird thing. Um, but, yeah, so the real big thing I got out of this is, hey, people, pay attention to who the people are that, that – don't want marijuana to be legal or want to keep hefty fines on, you know, hefty jail sentences on nonviolent drug offenses. Right. They're the people that make money off of it. And that, They're does the that fall? Attorneys, cops and the, and the people in the jails. Um, and yep. the growers. Attorneys, attorneys, too. Does it fall under a, does like a, I don't know, a misdemeanor? Or how does the three strikes rule uh, actually work in California? Those are for They're on felonies, for parole. And they just do like a misdemeanor. Will that trigger their third or no? It's three felonies. Three felonies. Three, three felonies. Yeah. It's not really that yeah. huge to get a felony for weed in in California, is it? Well, if you got two of them, you might want to move to another state eventually, but right. you may not be able to. I don't know. Uh, right. No, it would suck to spend life in jail for all nonviolent pot offenses for cannabis. Ouch. Oh my god! Ugh. You'd have to make some Serious? shit up. For sure. <laughs> Ugh, serious? Come on. What's up with that? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, here's a cool one. This is you, Jamie. This oh, yeah? is some interesting stuff because for a long time, a lot of people against Prop 19 have been holding up this. Jack Herrera didn't support Prop 19 before he died. He was oh, yeah, against yeah. it. There's a letter 
from his family. Um, and then what they're saying is that the emperor would have supported Prop 19. Uh, Jamie, would you re- would you mind reading this in its entirety for us? Sure, the letter from his family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Let me see here. Um, from the family of Jack Herrera, author of The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Um, this is Van, Van Nuys, California, um, this month, um, of course, in the year 2010. They write, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it straight through. They yep. said, Dear friends of hemp and cannabis, our father, Jack Herrera, was a man of leadership, compassion, and idealism. He worked relentlessly for decades to achieve his dream of legalizing cannabis hemp in all its forms, personal, medical, and industrial. He wanted cannabis to be free and open and to be given full respect for its enormous economic, environmental, and cultural benefits. As an idealist, Jack was adverse to half measures. He originally opposed Prop 215 because it stopped at medical use only. He initially opposed Senate Bill 420 because it set limited quantities as a safe harbor. Over time, however, he came to appreciate the freedoms they created and took pride in the role he played in inspiring these changes. Jack's great fear about Prop 215 and SB 420 was that people would accept those limits, become complacent, and stop working for full legalization. He feared we would be struck with medical use forever. Likewise, Jack rallied against Tax Cannabis 2010, now Proposition 19, and its plan for limited legalization and local authority to tax and regulate marijuana sales to adults 21 and above. It falls it falls far short of what he wanted. Jack wanted it all, and Prop 19 is just a part of that dream. Unfortunately, Jack passed away before Prop 19 made the 2010 ballot, so many people think he would still oppose it. We don't believe that, and we ask that everyone stop saying he would cling to that position as we move toward the November 2nd vote. As his family, we want the world to know that the last thing Jack Herrera would want is for Californians to vote to keep cannabis illegal. He was smart and had the political savvy to know that once a measure is on the ballot, the time for bickering is passed. That is why he, cha- he campaigned for Prop 215 despite its shortcomings. That is why, were he able, would, he would now be telling voters to rally around and vote yes on Prop 19. Does that mean he would want everyone to stop and be happy with the modest changes that Prop 19 affords? Absolutely not. What Jack would want us to do right now is to support Proposition 19, and come November 3rd, he would be right back again, telling you to renew your commitment to bring a comprehensive California hemp and health initiative to the voters in 2012, or some future date. Jack Herrera would ask, no, he would demand your yes vote on Prop 19 along with a pledge to continue fighting for the plant, the people, and the planet. It is true that Prop 19 does not fulfill our father's dream, but it takes us much closer to achieving it than we are now. And for that reason, we, his family, endorse Prop 19 today. Please vote yes on Prop 19, November 2nd, but do it with the dedication to keep working toward complete legalization in Jack's honor. Sincerely, Dan Herrera et al. Incrementalism. That's what I'm talking about. Jack was uh, against uh, it. He, he he's not against incrementalism. Well, yeah, that's, that's he's just true. against complacent people becoming complacent and right. fears when a law is 
if the law doesn't go the full distance, people, will, people will become complacent. Right. But, I mean, so far, no one became complacent with 215. They've just pushed the envelope continuously. Same thing in Colorado. And you know that's what's going to happen here, and I've mentioned it time and time again. They're going to come out with unfair regulations. Some of the, the – some things they'll do will, will hurt competition from smaller people. We're going to have to fight that. I mean, that's part right. of – a change. We're talking about a. This is. I mean, the, the marijuana movement. It's, it's, it's like a, a civil rights movement. It, things change incrementally in, right. in in civil rights movements. You don't just get everything immediately. It just doesn't work like that. So, does Prop 19 go far enough? No. Hmm. There's a part of Prop 19 I don't even like specifically. I don't like the part where they make it a thing about not using cannabis at all around minors. I mean, right. that just, you know, you can definitely booze it up around minors. If you can booze it up around minors, then you should be able to to ingest cannabis around minors as well. I do not like that part of Prop 19. Right. But I think we can change that. I think we can work with that. I think we can not have some crazy, you know, like we can we can kind of work our way out of that with Prop 19 and not make it such a big part of it because it's right. not really a big part of it. So you but, say, does it go far enough? No. But no. it goes significantly farther um, from where we're at now in the right direction. Yes, yes because it basically legalizes for anyone that's in the state of California to use marijuana legally. Mm. It gives them the right. No more you have to have a doctor and you have to pay annual fees for your doctor and you have to prove – some places won't let you in unless you have your original script and some places will let you in with a copy and you have to carry your script around all the time just to prove that your little personal jar of weed is medical so you don't go to jail. And you know, I mean all that kind of crap will be over with. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the only people that even, even debate the merits of this bill are prohibitionists. Mm-hmm. Um, special interest groups that make money because of prohibition mm-hmm. and people in the industry that like Jack didn't think it went far enough or don't want it to become any more of like a legitimate business because they like the way that it operates it right. and they prefer continuing on with the same the same system that's currently in place. Mm-hmm. And I and, and you know what? It was so good to hear that letter in its entirety because I was Wasn't feeling that. I was feeling that because if you follow his history with SB 420, with um, Prop 215, and now with Prop Prop 19, I bet you anything. If he'd made it, he'd be out. He'd be out campaigning for it right now. And I've been yeah. so I've been so flustered by that the whole time. People keep saying, duh, 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 and I'm just like, man, it's not even fair. I can't believe he died. And I just think it's really thoughtful of this family to come out with a letter, and um, and 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 you know, and support of prop nine prop 19 so yep. um i think there's no the doubt piece, jack yeah yeah that's not, that's yeah i love jack herrera he's a icon i mean hopefully he gets to look down upon us on november 3rd and say yes well, i tell you right one thing. thing he i bet he certainly would be proud of his family um the way they they stated that was a very eloquently spoken letter and uh, in his support so that's awesome did i yeah. read that okay by the way did that you did great, buddy. You did slow. great. Okay. You did so great. Um, uh-oh. What we got here? Some sort of the biggest benefit of legalizing marijuana is for the Mexican drug cartels? This is a clip we've got? Yeah, this is a clip. This is from Fox News, of course. And uh, hey, should I, Can I mention real quick? Um, there's a, a new poll 
that's Ooh. been released. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Uh, Prop 19, This is uh, you can check this out at Normal Blog. Uh, it's, uh, I believe, blog.normal.org. And just look around for it. Um, it's August 17th piece um, from Paul Armitano, Normal's deputy director. It's titled Prop 19 Continues to Lead in the Latest Poll. And you can read the details on your own. But uh, this is uh, a poll conducted um, very recently by, who did this poll? The Survey USA poll. And they found, uh, this was eight, ninth, uh, August 9th through 11th. And uh, they found that prop- Proposition 19, they gauged certain yes at 50% and certain no at 40%. And not wow. certain, obviously, is at 10% that's left over. Wow, that's a 10-point lead. That's big. So that's it's, a big it's expanding. And with individuals like we've been featuring on this program coming out, and they're coming out more and more so. so I, mean, I got to talk about polls. I worked for the Gallup organization back in the day. Right. Polls used to be a lot different. Now there's so many companies doing polls. Right. I kind of feel like if you start following, I kind of feel like leading up to the election, people follow those poll results yeah. so differently that it kind of can create a thing where voters are like, oh, it's all good. I don't need to go to the poll. We've got a 10-point lead. Oh I can just gosh. sit around and smoke doobies all day or do, whatever. Do not do that, listeners. If you have an ability or an opportunity, which I guess that would entail you being a, a California resident officially, then uh, please take part in this. Do not get the worst thing we can do. And probably the easiest thing way we can mess up is by getting complacent. And if you just heard that eloquent letter from uh, Jack Herrera's family, they, they, they discussed that briefly and pointed that out to people that was jack herrera's biggest fear that people would grow complacent and we wouldn't get to the places where we need to go and what you know uh, satisfy the the proper changes that need to be take take, that need to take place and that got us into this movement in the first place right yes absolutely and yes it you got to show up. It, it may sound obvious, but you not only have to be a California resident, but you have to be registered to vote. So oh, yes. make sure you're registered to vote, folks. And if you're not, go do it at least, you know, a month before the election. Please. And truly rock the vote. This is the real non-commercial version of rocking the vote. Um, man, I wish I could uh, get back to Cali, you know, but stuck you here will. at university. So I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm digging. I'm making the most of my time here. But, you know, I'm, I'm, what am I? philosophically metaphysically <laughs> in sentiment and heart and feeling and you know in I, spirit i'm in spirit thank you so much i am completely 100 percent voting yes on prop 19 as well so that makes it a trifecta <laughs> trifecta what's the deal okay so. all right so yeah the fox news thing mm-hmm. yeah all right, so this is uh, I think, think this is on Fox News Sunday. I think just recently, um, Steve Ducey, who I affectionately refer to as Steve Douchey, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he does not have my vote. Um, he had this lady on anyway, and I, I'm just going to roll the clip here, and uh, we'll talk about it. French. Folks, the push to legalize medical marijuana is happening from coast to coast. In fact, 11 states are currently debating legalizing the drug for medicinal use this year alone. But while supporters argue pot will raise revenue and help those facing illness, our next guest says new laws could do more harm than good. Jane Usher is a special assistant city attorney for L.A. out in California. In 1966, rather, 1996, California became the first state to pass a medical marijuana law. Good morning, Jane. Good morning to you. You see that this whole 
medical marijuana thing is a recipe for disaster. Why? Well, as you pointed out, 14 years ago, we legalized marijuana for medical purposes. We've had 14 years to learn what mistakes we made, and I'll identify at least two that were fundamental. And these should be a cautionary tale for states that are looking to do what we've done. Right. The first thing we did is we put the medical label on this use of marijuana. And I can tell you that in our 14 years, it's turned out to be just window dressing. Uh, the demographic, the age group, the population in California that's using marijuana in large quantities is not the medically right. ill. It's not the needy. It happens to be the age group that typically is at risk for all sure. sorts of things. So it's, it's a white male age group. It's basically 14 to 30. Right. So, Jane, what you're Definitely saying is not medically needed. These are people who are going to the dispensary and they're talking to a doctor into giving them pot, even though they don't need it. They just want to get high. And I have to tell you, the doctors are playing right along with it. But I don't think these are doctors you or I go to. Yeah. This is a whole new breed that's yeah. propped up. It seems to me, in reading your comments, uh, the big benefactor for this push across the country to legalize pot are the Mexican drug cartels. Well, okay, so I mentioned we made two fundamental errors, the first being the window dressing of medical. The second error, which we're about to compound, or which we could compound, I hope we don't, is what we'll repeat again in the initiative that's before the voters in November. And that second error is we forgot, we failed, we ignored the need to regulate where is marijuana right. going to be grown, how's it going to be packaged and distributed. Exactly. And that fundamental first step, that has to be the first step to getting our arms around sure. the use of this drug. Excellent points. Uh, Jane Usher from out in L.A. County. Thank you very much for joining us and give us, giving us an idea of uh, what's really behind this. Thank you, ma'am. You're very welcome. All right. What do you think? Thank you, Steve. Uh, what did, they didn't say anything about drug cartels. Yeah, they didn't actually. He he raised the question. She didn't answer it, in fact. Um, although I, I I thought she was going to uh, get going with something that um, uh, I forget who it was, but uh, Jerry Brown maybe. I think he might have said that uh, legalization will benefit the Mexican drug yeah. cartels a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. Can, we can touch base on that because that's that's just ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, anyone with any economic training understands that. The reason the, the reason Mexican drug cartels can make so much damn money is because the shit is illegal. Right. It would work yeah. the same for tennis shoes, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, and, the, just about and the price is up. over is you know propped up, um, arbitrary. It's arbitrarily propped up because of its illegality. So it makes it it's a, it makes it an activity that they want to participate in. So but, um, this lady on here, I don't know if you guys caught that. It was Jane Usher. She's the uh, uh, she is a city attorney for the city of Los Angeles. Yes. Um, uh, one thing we should talk about that she did talk about was that the medical label was a bad idea. She called it window dressing, quote unquote. Um, what do you think of that? I kind of uh, I think it goes along the lines of what I was saying several shows back about it. I'm not so sure that we have it framed properly. And uh, I think that's why, because they're going to, I knew that they would call us, they'd try to, to call people out on that and say, wait, this, it's not medicine, this age old argument, it's not medicine because it's not, it doesn't go through the gold standard process at the FDA, which is, if you know anything about the situation with the FDA, I mean, I don't know of any grander uh, example of the Fox 
proverbial fox guarding the hen house. You know, that's uh, there's numerous documentaries from from credible individuals that have documented different instances where, the, you know, they've made some assessments within the FDA, and then a few people go, "Oh, wait, wait, wait," and there's a little. And then they come back out and they say, we have to correct some things in your report, you know, when they say negative things about farmies and they do make some corrections and then the whole board goes voted, approved, you know, I mean. Yeah, I I, I do. I understand. I I get the point where um, in some ways it kind of looks bad that the medical, that Prop 215 is used as a loophole to legalize Mm -hmm. recreational use because it happened. We took it to that level. Yeah. Jack Herrera feared that Prop 215 would stop at medical use. Prop 215 itself has somewhat legitimized recreational use, somewhat. But to pretend like it's complete window dressing, like there right. aren't people that need marijuana no, and use it for their health that's is, offensive. is ridiculous. Yeah, it is offensive. You know, you just took some pain meds, didn't you? You were telling me earlier from your back injury. You were like, it Man, was atrocious. I've been on FD- I've been on FDA approved pain medicine for like over a week and and, and I feel funny, dude. I don't feel right. right. I, I really don't feel right. I I'm like forty not even forty eight hours off of the meds now. Is, is the pain gone? And the pain is not gone. So I'm medicating with cannabis now, which is much better than medicating with cyclobenzaprine. Oh whatever God. the f- it's also it's generic for for flexoral is what oh, it's yeah. generic for, yeah. and you're supposed to take three of these bad boys a day. And she told me when That's I took a relaxer, she's all, she's yep, it's a muscle relaxer. She's all, she's all. So the first one you probably won't feel that good, but after you've taken <laughs> like three or four of them, and it's in your bloodstream. That's when it'll really start working, and like it's <laughs> like, like uh, it, yeah, and it really did. It really worked, but it, I feel jittery, my nerves. That could be part of the back, but you just you know taking a bunch of pills doesn't feel good. And I was yeah. combining that with Vicodin, prescribed Vicodin uh. too. So and handfuls of ibuprofen and shots and all sorts of crap. So I don't know. I'm happy to be back on just good old fashioned hash oil i bet i bet i they put me on a <laughs> regiment of of farmies for quite a while and uh, informed me that i was pretty much medically dependent on several different you know muscle relaxants and anti-spasmatics and all this kind of junk and uh, i was with a group of friends and they they were really genuinely concerned and they were like going dude are you right do you need an ambulance and it came out of like nowhere and i was like what are they talking about and they, they thought i was having a stroke and I, I realized, oh, because I'm so impaired, I was kind of in my own little igloo of my brain was just, I was like, in, I don't know, introverted beyond imagination and kind of trippy. I was, well, I was wasted on these farmies and, and I'm like, is he drugs? And they go, stop taking them right away, right now. And I go, I really, it took me like a day, you know, to come out of that haze. And I was like, forget that, dude. I'm not, I mean, teach their own, but personally man it was harsh there was no doubt about it i mean most if i gave it took those vicodins that you have i would i would throw up physically i would literally throw up it would just be like my body would go no way yeah i mean i would have <laughs> I, I i needed the opiates dude at first okay. i never i've never been through that and mm-hmm. um before i that had was enough them, for the rest of your life right 
I'm Dude, dead. before <laughs> I had before I had the opiates, all I had was herb, and I, I do. Without that, I would have been fucking miserable. I yeah. mean, at least I had my herb that I already use for for pain that I've had in my for injuries I've had in my life. Um, but I can't lie. I smoke herb recreationally too, you know? Mm. So uh, I am a person that uses it for both reasons. And for this attorney in LA to just like ignore that, that, that there is kind of a weird line between the two. And you're right about the FDA standards. Mm. This isn't an FDA. Is this marijuana is not an FDA drug. Mm. Uh, cannabinol is an FDA drug, 100% synthetic THC schedule three, and it has one of the safest track records amongst all drugs that are under FDA guidelines, in case you right. want to check into it. But um, it, I, I don't know. I just feel like marijuana is a more of a homeopathic choice. It's more of a – it's not quite over-the-counter right. um, um, because you herbal have to get therapeutic. a recommendation. Yes, but that? it's something that you learn to use self-medicate with. It's right. not something where they're like – you need to smoke a joint at 9 a.m., and then you need to have a, a hash rip at noon, and then you need to have a joint of this sort of sativa at 3.30 p.m., and then right before bed, you need some purple oracle, and I would stick with one and a half bowls of it. It doesn't – you know what I mean? Like it doesn't work like that. So um, I, I, I'm just not – I'm not following what this lady's – not buying what she's selling. Same There's old no song and dance, my friend. Same one, man. Um, and yeah. then what was the, the other thing she said was it's bred, it's, it's brought about a whole new breed of doctors. I, I, I want to touch on that a little bit because it's not a whole new breed. These these doctors went to college, went to medical school, right. became licensed physicians in the state of California. But then uh, several of these people stopped kind of practicing medicine and only do marijuana recommendations. Um, that, that's kind of weird, but that's kind of because we need to pass Prop 19 and stop with all the bullshit and let people use cannabis freely. Yep. Bastards. You got me. Got my vote. How about that? So take that. Take that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> all nice. right. I got a grow tip. Oh, I got, beautiful. I Decided to. I just. I actually had this one ready for last week, but we'll we'll, we'll do Ooh. it now. Yeah. Okay, people, this is very important. I'm going to save you a lot of headache if you listen to this. When you leave and you go on vacation and you have to put someone in charge of your, of your garden, either when you're on vacation or business, you need to use a friend who has gardened with cannabis before and <laughs> has an emotional or a financial investment in your well-being. because. Right. When you try to plan your trip um, and, and so that uh, you, you need people that, ca one, care about you, care about the plant, know about the plant, understand that like any – I mean, okay, so people say it's a weed, man. You know what? It's a pretty um, labor-intensive plant in my opinion. Um, it requires a lot of care and attention, and there's a lot of tasks that have to be done. So first tip for leaving town. Someone that cares about you, someone that knows about growing cannabis and is, is you know, a go-to person and trust their responsibility level. Another thing, try to plan your trip around all of your crucial tasks already being done prior to you leaving or directly when you return. An example, 
topping your plants, spraying your plants, taking out bottoms, um, changing timers or thermostats, raising of lights, etc. All these things, you want to try your best to have as much of these tasks done prior to you leaving or having your schedule set up to where they can be done right when you get back because no one will do it better than you. And you're not there even if people are – some people still have people help them with these tasks, but you're there to manage it. You're there to supervise it. Your energy's there. So it's best if you plan around these things. Um, if these tasks do need to be performed while you're gone, though, it's best to give a very thorough walkthrough of the process prior to leaving along with a very, very detailed written direction. It's huge telling you you can't just be like hey top my plants and uh you know spray them this day and uh you know like i mean it, it's 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 much more intense than that especially if it's someone that doesn't know what they're doing now you all know when you know someone and they know you're seen and they know what's up that's a different thing but a lot of the times that's not the way it is for people also make yourself available with whoever your caretaker is when you're when you're when you're gone so that when they're doing the tasks that need to be done, they can get a hold of you. Like you should know, okay, tonight he's supposed to spray. So I need to make sure I'm here in case he calls with any questions about mixing or, or, or in case she calls and she's like, hey, you know, like how serious do I need to be getting up underneath the bottom sides of these? And like really serious, this, this takes two and a half hours of work. So you need to, you know, or whatever, you need to make yourself available. Um, and then my last Last tip here is always, always, don't forget this one, plan for the worst and let your caretaker know what to do if anything should happen in the, in the worst category. An example, a power outage, a water spill, a bulb blow up, blowout, or any sort of equipment failure. Um, you sh if possible, leave them petty cash to buy new equipment if needed. Um, it, show them what to do. If there's a water spill, always have shop vac ready for them. Show them what the thing is. And also go over what your how your timers work. If there's a power outage, more than likely, they're going to have to come over as soon as they understand there's a power outage, contact you, and you're going to have to discuss how to reset the timers. And that's for lights, that's for fans, that's for everything. So please, please do these things. And you will save yourself a lot of headache, and one day you will go, man, I'm so glad I listened to Pot Green on this one. I've never had any <laughs> crappy shit happen because of me leaving town. If you have friends who'd be willing to help out in a pinch, coordinate with them so that your caretaker has their contact information also so that you know, you know they could feel a little bit more community support from your friends as well if needed if anything goes down. But that is your grow tip for the day. Awesome. So you're saying find yeah. someone that has your best interest in their heart as well. I think so. And they have yes. to be capable. So they have both of those primary factors. It, in it, play. It, honestly, it's hard to find that all the time sure. too. I mean, you know, if like, you, when you really do an inventory, you know, like if you really do an inventory, you know, how much does anyone really have? Sure. How much interest in your interest do they have? You know, it's, it's a tough thing, but right. you know, but just talking. don't don't pay any attention to it and see how things come out. I guess that's just a unfortunate loss on your behalf. <laughs> it to learn a, a lesson. So that's it's a hard lesson to learn, and a lot of people learn it around here. And um, you know, I'm just putting it out there now because I know there's a lot of these new medical states, and they're going to have issues with this because. 
they're going to go on vacation and they're not going to have a community full of growers to go to, to take care of their shit. Right. So they're going to have to like, think about training their housekeepers and their caretakers way prior to them taking vacations. And the effort in doing it is huge. Just do it. Like make it happen because it'll save you a lot of headache, a lot of money. So yeah. Wow. Good stuff, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, yeah, I was a little excited there. Felt normal for a second. I felt yeah. charged. <laughs> charged. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm standing up now. I can't sit anymore. Is that, is that helping out? Yeah, I've been standing up for like the last 10 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what's stoned in the South? Anybody looked at this story? I haven't clicked on yeah. it yet. Yeah, I have actually. It's, uh, I don't know. I can't even say it's bittersweet, really. It all still completely sucks. And I bet if you ask any of these any of these uh, ladies, uh, family members, they would probably say that as well. Um, this story we got from MPP. Um, if you haven't been there, what are you thinking? Get over there and check them out, mpp.org. This is from the MPP blog um, by Mike Mino. Um, it's titled, Family of Grandmother Slain in a Botched Police Raid receives $4.9 million. And I know uh, anybody remotely connected to this movement, to this process we've been going through for decades, they, they, they have heard, I mean, we've spoken countless times about uh, different um, overzealous police tactics and, and tactical raids and all of these things. Well, one of the most egregious, really disturbing examples happened uh, several years back. Um, it was November of 2006 when uh, this was after the Supreme Court said that they could do no-knock raids. If you're not familiar with that, that's a police uh, tactic where they don't, they're not required to knock first and say police. They can just like go in um, unannounced, which I can't believe that would even be remotely possible. If it's legal for you to uh, secure your, your property in person and somebody you don't even know who it is comes charging into your domicile, <laughs> your home, your private area, that's that's pretty dangerous, I would think. And we've always said this is a bad idea. In this particular case, um, in case you're not familiar with it, that was Catherine Johnston. These uh, these officers did a no-knock raid on her home based on completely bogus information from an informant, informant who said he had purchased drugs there. Um, then after the the raid, uh, the informant told a local news station that he'd never he'd never even been to Johnston's home. And that police asked him to fabricate the story after the shooting, which is completely uh, horrible and uh, unacceptable. But uh, she was 92 years old. She lived. She's one of those individuals that has lived in a place for quite a while. And over the years of her life, the the area got increasingly worse and a little bit seedy and scary. And her area was pretty rough. And her daughter... um, really kind of against her wishes from what I can understand, uh, eventually convinced her, Catherine Johnson, um, her 92-year-old mother, to, to take uh, a, a small caliber firearm for protection, personal protection. Well, eventually, I guess she succumbed to that and said, okay. She understood her daughter was worried about her and just loved her, you know. And, and uh, she's there one night, and all of a sudden she had bars because of the kind of dangerous area she lived in. She had bars in her windows. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, now imagine what you would do, what you would do in this circumstance. Out of nowhere, they have this giant saw sawing the bars off your windows, sawing through the bars off the windows. And they're 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 getting ready to bust in to her place, and they uh, they just came out of nowhere, and they didn't say police or anything, and she was scared to death, you know, who wouldn't be, and she says, who is that? Who's there, you know? And they 
they just came in and she she was scared and she said she had a gun and she said she would shoot she i guess she evidently she fired off one or two rounds of a small caliber uh, sidearm and they returned you well you can already see where this is going and they they returned just this amazing hail of gunfire and, um and, shouldn't have laughed holy shit yeah they get killed her um she was shot and killed by the atlantic narcotics officers they falsified evidence both before and after their completely unwarranted raid on her home and the city of atlanta has announced recently this is what i say i don't even think it's bittersweet but it's good news for the family at least they're uh they will pay a 4.9 million dollar settlement to her family and uh there's I don't know if it listed right on this story, but you can Google some more and look into this a little bit more. They did uh, sentence, surprisingly, some of these police officers involved in this raid for wrongful behavior. I believe one, at least one or maybe two of them has been sent to prison. Um, I know at least two others um, have uh, been forced to uh, end their, their police careers. So... It's a horrible wow. situation, but, you know, at least they're... I, I, I'm, I commend... Uh, Atlanta, I guess, after the fact, because I guess in some way they're sort of involved or responsible for having their officers conduct this raid in this manner in the first place. But uh, they are they are standing up, perhaps, I would imagine, to save face as a city, because that was some really egregious, un, it was scrupulous uh, behavior by those officers. And they're getting punished. And uh, now the uh, the family is getting some some level of compensation. So there's that story. Yeah. That's not the bright and sunny story of the day, but you know, Hey, we're glad that no, at least a, there's some justice beginning of some level beginning to happen, you know, in this case. Yeah. Wow. That's mm -hmm. uh, um, that's intense though, man. Like it, it brings into the whole, the rules of engagement and the whole thing back. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about these sort of things before. Uh, cops should do have, do their due diligence and, and determine who is inside of these places right. and what kind of threat they actually are. Well, this fiasco the question, just because someone fires a gun off in the air, does that mean that you actually have to engage in them? Right. I mean, or does it mean you get you know, to for some of those officers? That's what yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Those are the, the ones we're trying thing. to weed out of there. They're a threat to society and to our yes. safety and freedoms. So um, yeah, they kill grandmas and shit. Isn't that you know? something? What's Can you imagine? That? Yeah. Can you imagine? You can ask any of those officers, what would you do if somebody just unannounced started invading your grandmother's home when she was home alone? For goodness sake. I mean, those guys would go ballistic. I don't think anything could be too severe to them in their answer. I would, I would bet you anything, you know. And they would say, yeah, but it's a drug raid. and My grandma wouldn't be involved in a drug raid. Well, if it's wrongful, <laughs> how the hell do you know, you know? And... She wasn't involved in a drug raid, and they got her house. Yep, so, crazy. And 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 it appears there are no drugs there at all, huh? No, no, no. They planted some. They dumped a little uh, bag of weed and a couple. Of ooh, they and, dumped some weed. Yeah, they planted. Yeah, they justified. they fabricated uh, evidence both prior and uh, following this this raid. Grandma this is scary. She has weed and a gun. Yeah, ooh. yeah. You know what a fucked up. That's. Sorry about that. But that's that just I cannot. Ooh, Jamie used the F bomb. <laughs> hey, I got a good, I got a new idea. Regulate is the new F bomb. Regulate. So you tell people to get regulated. That sounds almost as ugly as you know. I don't go get it. Yourself. Yeah, go regulate Sorry. yourself. 
Regulators. Regulate you, Mount jackass. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it, dude. But that's... hey, whatever. It's your world. I'm just, I'm just partying along with you. Well, what, anyway, that's in... what uh, that's what the state of uh, or the city of Atlanta has said to several of these officers. Thankfully, yeah, get totally. Here, we'll do it for you. Four point nine million. I hope it helps. That I hope it helps with their grief sum and whatever financial situation yep. they've got going on in the family. Yeah. Hopefully, that yep. helps now. Best wishes um, out to them. We got a clip from Michigan. By the way, people, Michigan is the new frontier. <gasps> yeah, it is. It is. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> you don't need to tell anybody because the Detroit Fox News 2 is doing your job for you. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I'll roll the clip. jobs, But their students aren't learning about engineering or computers. They're learning about pot. Fox News' Andrea Isom explains. When you talk about medical marijuana, you've got one side saying pass the pot and the other calling medical Mary Jane a joke. But here at the Medical Marijuana Academy, it's all about cannabis education and weed putting people back to work. This is the Medical <laughs> Marijuana Academy, a place where it's all about pot. Men and women are learning how to grow weed in Walled Lake in one weekend. It's a very comprehensive course. You teach people how to grow all the way from seed through harvest and how to do this as a business legally and responsibly. You're not going to get high on cannabis on this campus. No Mary Jane munchies, but you might make some mean green. Make some money, definitely, in this economy. Someone could make 15000 if they wanted. Someone can make up to 100000 or more. It depends on the quality. It depends on how good you are at what you do. It depends who your patients are. And there's a, there is a certain amount of, of compassion involved as well. People are coming from across the country to get a better grasp on grass. I'm from Iowa, actually. You're from Iowa and yep. you came here for this? Just for this. So exactly who's signing up for this higher learning? Soccer moms, 80-year-old people. Everyone is welcome to chronic class. So what's next after these students pass the pot? Test, that is. Yeah, at the end, uh, you know, we're pretty confident any of our students be able to start right then growing and finding patients. We have an, even have a patient registry where we actually start matching caregivers and patients immediately upon completion of our course. We start finding jobs immediately for people. According to the experts, the growth industry is growing, creating jobs, encouraging tourism, and getting people to move to Michigan. New companies, new grow shops, people are being hired, people are becoming caregivers, and they are making income now. And the goal for these soon-to-be graduates? Generate more dollars for the state. Um, giving people benefits of, you know, who have illnesses, um, and then starting up several small businesses. Just come to Michigan and start my business, uh, whether it be big or small, just help people. You can learn more about this budding business at MyFoxDetroit.com. Wonderful industry to get into. Not only are you helping people at the same time, you're doing something you're passionate about, and it's a good way to make money. The Medical Marijuana Academy in Walled Lake has only been around for 10 weeks, and they do have plans to open other facilities across the country. In Walled Lake at the Medical Marijuana Academy, Andrea Isom, Fox 2. Nice. That was a great money, 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 money. money, money hey, money, I got a story money. for you. This What's just up? in. This oh. just in. A new poll finds that nearly everyone is really annoyed with reporters that talk like this. <laughs> Did you hear all of it? Hold on. I gotta, I'm going to go back and I'm going to roll some of this again because it was just too funny. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold on. This campus. No Mary Jane munchies, but you might make some Mary mean Jane green. Munchies. 
Lean green. Definitely. If someone could make fifteen thousand if they wanted, someone can make up to a hundred thousand or more. It depends on the quality. It depends on how good you are or what you do. Depends who your patients are. And there is a certain amount of compassion involved as well. People are coming from across the country to get a better grasp on grass. Grasp on grass. You're from Iowa and you came here for this? Just for this. So exactly who's signing up for this higher learning? Higher learning. Everyone is welcome to chronic class. So what's next after these students pass the pot? Pass the pot. Oh, that is just classic. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know if we've heard a better, better little string of. That is a string. How, how do you? How do you even talk like that? Do you have to like squeeze your asshole together as tight as possible, or what? You cannot. That you could not squeeze any more. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. A grasp on grass. <laughs> Pass the pot. You don't get any Mary Jane brownies, but you might get some mean green. Awesome. <laughs> oh my God! It's gone to pot. It's Dude, all it's about good this place. Story it's all of... about pot. That's what journalism yeah. school is all about: learning how to talk that way. Ugh. Well, I'll tell you one thing: I'm never going to start talking like this ever. If pot, if pot Green is ever talking like that on a regular basis, please shoot him. <laughs> tell me. I love your show, guys, but please tell Jamie to stop puking on the air. Thank you. <laughs> totally. This annoys the shit out of nearly everyone. everyone. Guaranteed. Yet, for some reason, we still hire people that talk like this. Will you please kick him in the throat. Thank you. Love your show. <laughs> Sounds like God, they need to loosen up. Yeah, she was funny. That was interesting. Good story, though. Good, uh, good, good story. Good, good content. It, it, <laughs> the most important content of that is, hey, if you want to move to Michigan. What's going on? Hey, you know what? Was it Sean? <laughs> was it Sean that asked yeah, about this? he's from, uh, no, 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 it wasn't. From Ohio. Indi Indiana. Oh, yeah, Indiana. Yeah, Sean from Indiana. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's right next Sean door. I think Sean from yeah, Indiana right should look into Michigan, yeah, really. I That's agree. what I said to that email. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Now I look Sean know. from Indiana. Dig that. Replay it. Take a look at what they said. They not only answered your question, but said, look, it's, we're trying to get people to come. You can answer that. We're trying to get Sean from Indiana to come to Michigan. You can just insert you into everything she said, and it answers your question explicitly. And, dude, look, if you have to, That's you can right. take a Greyhound bus to Michigan. It's, like, right above you. True that. True that. Holy shit, maybe, dude, maybe that this, is hilarious. So this is, uh, insert Sean from Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, in bed. You can add in bed at the end of all that. Yeah, too, and if Sean right? is interested at all, it looks like they're enthusiastic about having him be embedded into their uh, medical cannabis. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. 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 All right, Michigan. well, that's enough for the puns, huh? But I'm yeah. The new frontier. Shh, don't tell anybody. Uh-oh, right. look what I did. News from the feds. Yeah, oh, yeah. He yeah. That. saw that. I added an S. <laughs> Relief. Okay. That's an inside uh, joke. Um, I got a story. It's a Colorado story, but it's really a national story. Mm -hmm. uh, in, apparently, this is about um, all the banks that – basically, all the banks that were allowing uh, dispensary owners to have accounts have started to shut it off. Apparently, Wells Fargo was one that did, and then they've 
they just stopped it too. So it's increasingly becoming more and more difficult for a dispensary to have a bank account, which means all of this is done in cash. So if it's all done in cash, there's several things that, that occur. When it's all done in cash, transparency is significantly reduced. Um, it makes it way more difficult to regulate and tax because you don't really know what's going on because there are no records at all. And I know some of you people listening may love that. I get it. But you know, I'm just putting it out there. And another thing it does is it increases the potential of organized and violent crime. Violent crime definitely occurs when there is cash-only business. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers come up and rob you and shit and shoot people in dispensaries because lots of cash is in there. And it's not cool. And we need to get that kind of stuff to stop. And as long as the entire business is is all cash, it's not going to work. Um, and currently, banks can, can deny an account for any reason without explanation. Um, so they can just stop. They can cut in. They can stop accounts with any of these dispensaries as soon as they want. Um, a good thing would probably be for the federal government to, you know, stop making pot illegal. That'd be cool, or at least write some sort of law regarding this, because the banks are saying that they are scared of being connected with money laundering, right. and the penalties and the fees are so huge for any connection to that. So if some overzealous attorney or someone wanted to you know, make some shit about it, they might be able to, and those banks could be liable. And, and I understand that, and that's why we probably need federal legislation to put an end to that and so that these banks have you know, more black and white guidelines of how they deal with cannabis businesses. But um, that's not the way it is right now. We talked a few shows back about a bill that was in or something that was being discussed in Congress regarding that. Apparently, that's not happening anymore. So we're still at the same place where if you are a cannabis entrepreneur, it is very difficult for you to do anything other than cash. And you know what? I know that makes your blood pressure higher. I know it does. There's no way it doesn't. So um, I – I mean, I don't know. It's just, I guess I'm, I guess I'm old-fashioned. I guess I just think that the things that everyone else does make sense sometimes, like having a sometimes. checking account, yeah, you know, bill pay. Isn't that uh, so old-fashioned? Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm one of them old-fashioned people that kind of conform to the, that kind of shit sometimes. <laughs> Kill me. I don't know. I'm sorry. I guess I'm not as revolutionary as some of you. But email us. Let me know what you think. What do you think? Is it good that, that, that they're cash-only businesses? I, I, I would love to read an explanation from someone saying it is good. I think that would be fun. So, yeah. you know, come on, send us one, info at CannabisAgenda.com, or even call 707-654-CAN. I'd love to hear why you think it's a good thing that, that, that pot is a cash-only business. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to skip Eddie Lepp. We were going to cover Eddie Lepp, but I was only mm -hmm. doing that because I had an interesting conversation with someone about that? in Berkeley. Um, and she was talking about Eddie Lepp, but we're skipping it for today. I, I want to learn a little bit more. Uh, you got one more. You got one more story here. It looks like uh, Jamie. Oh, yeah, I added it to the list. So I guess uh, did you read it already, Jamie? Uh, I looked over it a little bit. It's. Uh, it, I really needed to see the title. You know, we got this one from uh, the MPP blog as well. This is Mike Mino talking about the Feds. Uh, the Feds say that uh, Leonhart, um, we we've spoken about on past shows, Michelle Leonhart. 
Um, she's been, she is President Obama's uh, nominee for DEA administrator. And uh, the, a spokesman for the White House has declared that the president is confident that the Bush holdover is the right choice for the job. And uh, Mike Riggs of the Daily Caller wrote this. He says, Obama is confident that Leonhardt is the right choice, the White House staffer said, and that as of Friday, the president wasn't considering anyone else for the position. In other words, the response from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to a chorus of concerns boils down to Leonhardt or bust. Now, she has been involved in some nasty federal raids. She is not only involved, uh, you know, as professionally in her capacity, just by connection of that, that you know, virtue. But she is a serious, strong instigator of such activities, and she believes in it. She is, she's ready to do the bidding of prohibitionist uh, ideologues, and she is, uh, she's been doing it for quite a while. Uh, rarely you can find a George Bush era holdover that isn't a neocon minded you know kind of bloodsucker but she's she's not one of them she's uh she pretty much epitomizes the description so uh we're we're trying to fight against this but uh it's typical to me what do you think about this to me i read the title of this story and i thought you know what it's it's over in my mind i understand exactly what happened of course the feds are coming out to back their agenda you know and they're they're coming out to uh they love her and think she's the right person for the job because she's willing to do all the nasty, dirty, uh, unjust, you know, harmful things to people that they're ordering in the law for her to do. She doesn't let her um, compassion get in the way. She doesn't let her heart get. I don't even know if. Well, she doesn't let her heart get involved at all. Wow. You know, see, you know, you ask me what I know about these things, and mm. I got to be honest, Jamie. You always know more about these people. That are being put up to. Um, it's almost like Freddy Krueger's in the neighborhood. You're going to stay up and pay attention and find out where that sucker's at. <laughs> and these kind of extreme ideologues that are in powerful positions of this type, you better believe it, man. They are in my sights 100% of the time. And I keep track of what's going on and when it's going on and how it's going on. And man, she is a bad, bad choice. Bad choice. Yeah. Um, if you don't want people to have freedom, if you don't want any of the positive changes you've uh, witnessed happening, um, even some people that are uh, skittish, uh, if you will, about the the progress that this uh, cannabis policy is, has been making lately, uh, the reform aspect of it, rather, um, even those people, they're they're just they don't want they have they have applauded some aspect, at least some aspects of the changes that have already occurred. You know, and they might have some problems with certain parts of it or per certain things or certain areas or, or what have you. But, but there's certain things that they're with. And uh, one of them is that we're not unduly harming our citizens. Um, and and this, that's what she's all about, brother. She's about it, man. She's got the stereotypical whip in her hand and she's looking for somebody to flog. Whoa. Hey, hey, getting you know, dirty. You hear, you can almost hear the crank going. <laughs> it's 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 ratcheting her up, man. They're they're, oh, they're lifting her up. They're going, goo, do some more. Ooh, yeah, we'll keep pumping you up, and you just keep doing our dirty bidding. So hopefully this is going to be a success, and we can make her go away. Because you know what? If it's not, if she doesn't go away, well, we're certainly not going to. So that's just more pain in the ass for us to deal with. <laughs> From her flog, it sounds like. Jeez, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Somebody All talk right. her into puffing one and send is her to Thailand. Cute? Is she cute? 
Um, I can't uh, imagine. Uh, no. no, you know, you know what I think personally, and this is only in my opinion. Palin, do you think Sarah Palin's cute? I well, don't. I think the combination. I think the comparison would have to fall within which one is uglier inside. And I honestly say this is just my opinion, but I'm entitled to this. And personally, I think that anyone that is even remotely as ugly inside as this individual is, then I don't think any kind, of, any level of external um, looks or aesthetic qualities can nearly compensate for that and no she's man and no she's not (laughs) we have an official uh thank you i needed some superficial shit there you got like (laughs) way all into it like made me start thinking about love and shit she's (laughs) ugly hardcore and harmful and you know what (laughs) she's fugly too and she's not cute okay Okay, that's irrelevant to the big issue because she's ugly off with her head off her head (laughs) well out with her out with her uh out out with her her, yes no yes yes she recommendation. Go. She cannot. She cannot. Out with her nomination. Me. That's all I say. Out with that. <laughs> and I'm not alone. You know, most of the cannabis uh, policy community is right on there. Then they've been uh, filling up um, petitions and doing uh, informational drives and getting people to contact their legislators and let them know. And I'm just. Uh, I'm confident this will be a, a successful one because you know there's a lot of people involved in this movement now. And uh, they're going to be aware that this is, if if any time, this is one of the times where they really, they really want to stand up and go, oh, wait a minute. That's really a bad idea. Don't do that. There are a lot of people involved in the movement, dude. And guess what? We've mm-hmm. got a lot of people involved in our movement here. We're getting, like, we're actually, the show is growing, people. Um, mm-hmm. We're so stoked Gratefully that you take the time to listen to our show. We've uh-huh. just been getting a lot more emails from people that say they listen from front from the beginning to the end every every week um awesome. and we really appreciate it we are going to continue to try and get better we have some yes. big changes coming in the future um things are going to be different they're going to be better and it is all about your interaction and your thoughts your opinions um we want to make this show all about all of us in the marijuana movement. So absolutely, keep checking us out at our website, CannabisAgenda.com. Keep emailing info at CannabisAgenda.com. Give us a call, 707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N. Blow up our Facebook mm. and Twitter. Please hit it up and subscribe <laughs> to iTunes. It'll be automatically downloaded. Right. We want to apologize this week for sound. Um, we hope to be back in the studio, home studio. I can't be too, <laughs> can't exaggerate <laughs> too much about that. I've got, I got, I got called out on my little, my little exaggeration a couple of weeks ago in the home studio next week, hopefully. Right. Nice. Cause... Correct. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. So we'll get our sound back to normal then. It's been a little off, but you know, and then, um, we just got an email from Puna bud or is it mm-hmm. Brown Puna bud? What's wrong with the Brown? Why is your bud Brown Puna? What's up, bra? <laughs> Why about that? Hey man, I spent a lot of time out on those islands. I love Hawaii. Mahalo mm-hmm. for the email. We appreciate it. Mahalo. His concern was yo, yo, yo. Love the podcast. When you have them, aren't you folks supposed to be doing this weekly? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're getting called out. Nice. Actually, we <laughs> technically 
do do it weekly, meaning it <laughs> is done every week. Good point. During the business week. True life. But True that. True that. When we we need what we really need is a new intro so that it doesn't say every Monday, but what we really need is for people like you that love our show to help us send us money. <laughs> and um, and interact. Make, yeah, like we need your money so we can keep doing this, so that we can make it a thing to show up every such and such day. We would love to do more of this. We would love to do more of this. That's what this is about. It's organic. We're going to see how this grows. We're going to take it where it grows. If it gets big, it gets big. If it doesn't, then we're still keeping it chill. It's growing right now. We're trying to be more professional about it. We're doing the best we can. Matt's been on the road doing his little summer vacation thing. Mm -hmm. That's thrown some shit off. I hurt my back. That threw some shit off. We're going to get this better. It's going to keep getting better and better, I promise. I'm so glad that you miss us when we're not there. Subscribe to iTunes, and it'll just update automatically. Um, yeah, we mahalo for your email. I really appreciate it, bro. Take consistency, it easy. Consistency, we promise to strive toward consistency. We're yeah. going to get better we're about it. We're working on it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely working. <laughs> it's going to happen. So, Puna Bud, bro. It'll be good. We're, we're back on. It's funny. You emailed while we were recording this episode. Mm-hmm. So this was impromptu answer to your email. And I read the bottom portion of your email. We'll get to a lot of that stuff next week. I would love to talk about Hawaii. I, I'm so excited that now we have someone communicating with us from, from the Hawaiian Hawaii. Islands. Nice. Love it. Man, I would live there if I could find a way to make a living. Maybe you know the way, Puna Butt. Heart. Episode number 24? Yeah, we, do have, um, we got a clip for the end of the show. Jamie, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. We listened a little bit to uh, Dr. Christopher Fitchner, um, medical doctor. He This is uh, from Reason.com. I would highly recommend you go to Reason.com and check out their site. They're pretty legitimate, uh, legitimate uh, people over there. And uh, anyway, this is the full uh, version. We played a little clip about what he thought about Prop 19 in the Prop 19 segment earlier. And this is the, we're going to end uh roll out here with the... Uh, the roll entire clip. Out. It's about we'll eight, eight little over, between eight and nine minutes long. So, uh, yeah, check that out on the way out. Don't forget, after we get done with the um, outro, we'll have that for you. And Hash rip. Good medicine. I'm feeling a lot better. A hash rip. And I believe, isn't that, uh, if I'm not uh, incorrect, that is a wrap. For I think that's a wrap, guys. show. Fantastic. Thank you, Cannabis World. Keep checking us out, man. We love you all. Peace and pot. Peace and pot. Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. Cannabis is an American homegrown commodity, and it's time that um, uh, Americans took ownership of it, and we need the cooperation of the federal government to achieve that. I'm Dr. Christopher Fitchner. I'm uh, a psychiatrist and the author of uh, a new book that's just come out in the last couple of months called Cannabinomics, The Marijuana Policy Tipping Point. 
The tipping point is the real-time convergence of three distinct policy trajectories that can be identified if we look back over the last, well, certainly the last uh, decade and a half, but in particular, even over the last five years, we see a, a building convergence of these three tra trajectories. What are they? The first is the medical marijuana movement. It began in California, really, uh, with, with the 1996 uh, law passed uh, here. Uh, and then since that time, I think 14 other states have, have joined on, have various versions of a, of, of a law which allows for certain individuals to get access to cannabis with the approval of their doctor. The second would be uh, the um, recognition of the drug war as a public health problem in its own right. In other words, the drug war as, uh, as a way of managing uh, drug-related issues that is creating more public health problems than it's solving. Too many people incarcerated, too many people arrested, too many people, in fact, killed, uh, actually. And, you know, one of the... One of the um, sort of uh, developments that's been a focus of a lot of media attention has been the drug war in Mexico and has been the violence around the Mexican and American border. Um, that has been uh, uh, an issue that's gotten increasing attention and I think, uh, you know, uh, at a, on, a, on, a, uh, you know, on a less drastic scale perhaps, but in a way, in some ways more palpable for people that are involved in it here has been this whole series of raids by the federal government on people trying to you know, peacefully uh, manage access to cannabis for medicinal use in California. Cannabis policy becomes a subset of that drug policy problem, which is the easiest of all to address. Why is it so easy to address? Because there's so much use of it in the United States and because by comparison to other substances that we know of, uh, cannabis just doesn't have the same level of dangerousness. Certainly not as alcohol or tobacco. Certainly not you know, as dangerous as many of the prescription drugs that the FDA has already approved. There's a growing recognition that the way we're treating marijuana or cannabis in this society doesn't match what we know about the relative harms associated with it or, you know, on the other side, the safety of it. So the medical trajectory is the first one. The recognition of the public health uh, problems associated with the drug war is the second one. And the third is the economic crisis, that we're really sitting at a time where if it's ever been clear that uh, drug prohibition, and especially as an easier to manage subset of that marijuana prohibition, if it's ever been clear that that was not affordable and was ill-advised, and there are many different aspects to that, if it's ever been clear that that's the case, it's certainly clear now. And many people have said that uh, the normalization, the, the regulation, the tax and regulation, the development of a cannabis industry that offers quality control for consumers. Many people have argued that that could be part uh, of an overall package of, uh, uh, you know, of, of economic uh, recovery. So if you look back at the uh, elections in November of 2006, where you had three states, South Dakota, almost passed medical marijuana, 48% of the vote on an initiative. Uh, Colorado uh, almost passed a decri decriminalization initiative similar to what Denver had passed the year before, which is um, decriminalizing cannabis on the basis of the idea that it is safer than alcohol. And 41% of the vote came through on that Colorado trajectory. And then Nevada the same year attempted to tax and regulate proposal much along the lines of what California is looking at now on a much smaller scale because you know, it's obviously not as big a state, but they got 44% of the vote. So there you had uh, a medical, a public health, and an economic trajectory 
all below the radar because they didn't get passed, but they were just close enough to passing to catch, you know, the eye of somebody like me who was looking at the field already and to say, look, this is a harbinger of what we're going to see. In cannabinomics, I used the term incoherent as a way of describing uh, federal policy on cannabis. And the reason that I called it that is because um, we know which compound it is that has the greatest potential for creating feelings of paranoia or possibly creating hallucinations or, or creating uh, you know more impairment and you know and in fact the feeling of being high the euphoria and that's THC and THC has been available as a prescription medicine since 1985 and synthetic THC which is ironic that they make it in the laboratory to avoid having to extract it from the plant and many have pointed out more recently that extracting it from the plant is actually cheaper than making it in the laboratory. But uh, these are the lengths to which the government has gone to avoid actually using the, having a legitimate use for the plant. The only, the only um, legitimate research that, um, for the most part, until very, very recently, the vast majority of the legitimate research that has gone on in the United States with the cannabis plant has been um, uh, to study it as a substance of abuse. There's a limited number of people who do still get access to federally grown cannabis, which they say is not very good compared to the kinds of uh, strains of herbal cannabis that can be uh, grown uh, by uh, in a competitive environment where you have different people with different ideas working on new strain, working on strains, working on uh, uh, you know, uh, working on the genetics of, 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 uh, of herbal cannabis, um, the, the potential quality improvement is much greater than what's been able to be realized up to this point under the very restrictive, um, uh, uh, you know, federal uh, cultivation for the Compassionate Use Program. But, uh, but that is another, another irony, another contradiction in federal policy. Uh, almost no um, uh, cannabis therapeutics research has been uh, really supported by the federal government or even allowed by the federal government. So um, you have... Uh, you have the, uh, the compound THC that probably people would be most concerned about uh, rated as a Schedule 3 drug, and yet you have marijuana uh, in Schedule 1, which is illegal, no medical use. Obviously, it has THC in it, but it has a whole array of 60 or 70 or maybe more different estimates of how many um, uh, uh, cannabinoid compounds plus a number of other compounds and many people uh, especially in other countries now are beginning to explore the therapeutic value of some of those other compounds so let's say for example CBD uh, which is um, uh, really not associated with a, a high at all per se as far as we know it does not impair people at least the research that that I've read and there's European re research and there's Brazilian research that uh, finds that it actually has some antipsychotic properties and so you know one of my uh, uh, special interest issues is that uh, yes we know that cannabis is helpful for nausea and vomiting yes we know that it's helpful for neurological pain we know that it has anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, we know that it, uh, people find it useful for muscle relaxation and illnesses like, uh, uh, like multiple sclerosis uh, and even for things like migraine headaches. So there's a whole variety of uses that people report benefit. Um, in most of the states, uh, pain management and other sort of physical pain or physical illness uh, uses are the ones that are approved for you know doctors to recommend access to cannabis. So in Cal California, really, in my read, is the only state that doesn't actively discriminate against persons with mental illness who are looking for it because of its anti-anxiety or mood stabilizing properties.
are we going to uh, hit a tipping point this November? You know, I'm going to say we're in the process of that, and I'm going to say yes. I mean, I think that uh, everything points in that direction. More importantly than that, I think when California does get there, whether it's this November or later, I do think it will be this November. But when California does get there, I think the number of other states that are going to fall right behind it will be a, a large number. I think almost every state that's approved it medically will fall in behind California very, very rapidly. And I think there are other states that are working on medical initiatives that will stop and change it into a tax and regulate initiative. Cannabinomics was written to call for change, not at the state level, that's already happening, it's written to call for change at the federal level, for the federal government to step in and take some ownership, not of cannabis prohibition, not of marijuana prohibition, but of regulation of access to herbal cannabis for medicinal, therapeutic, and uh, age-restricted, over-the-counter access. Um, the federal government needs to take an active role in that because we all have a stake in it.